What's happening, weirdos? This is uh, the wonderful and hilarious Kenny DeForest. I do want to give uh, not a warning, but this is a this is a weird one. Uh, we were overdue for a silly one. Weird, be- <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> wow, we should edit that out, but we won't. <coughs> uh, weird because I was so sleep deprived and just out of my mind. Um, I think Leela was going through a uh, sleep regression, which just means she wasn't sleeping. And as a result, this is one of the weirdest, but silliest and funniest episodes in a while, but just really sort of off the rails. Um, so it's not a uh, it's not a quiet chat <laughs> and not a normal episode, I suppose. But boy, it made me love Kenny even more because he was so down to clown and uh, down to clown. And he p- just played along so beautifully and it made me love him even more. Do check him out. Uh, go see him do stand-up. Check out his stuff online. He's so funny. And uh, let's get to it. It is it is the Hollandaise. Uh, oh, boy. It is the <coughs> Hollandaise season, as I've been told. And there's lots of different things uh, we can get. The Pete's Picks, as we call them. Uh, one of them is Charlotte's Web, the original Pete's Pick for a reason. Charlotte's Web has made my life so much better it is just a, a happy plant ally in my life. You hear hemp, you often think that it's uh, maybe weed, but it is not weed. They use science, scientific technology, to remove the THC. THC is what gets you stoned. And they leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. The result is this wonderful, uh, natural, plant-based medicine that can help me personally with anxiety. It helps me with stress helps me when I'm traveling. It also just helps make my life better. It makes me smile a little bit faster, laugh a little bit easier, but it doesn't take you out of the game. It's not an intoxicating feeling uh, at all. It just sort of rounds the edges in the sense that when I'm working, I can focus, I can relax and flow with whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish, uh, read and learn and create. So it's not uh, something that takes you out of reality, but just sort of helps me ease into it. It is uh, completely legal, ships to all 50 states, because it's not an intoxicant in that sense, Um, and it is wonderful, a true game changer in my life. I get the original formula, mint chocolate flavor. It's a little bit more expensive than the other ones, but you can literally just take a few drops of it and feel it. It, it, It's almost sub-perceptual, but it just kind of kicks its sunshine up into your face. Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. Kick some sunshine up into your face. They also make bombs and creams that are wonderful for soothing your skin topically if you want to get hemp on you in that way. They, and it's a wonderful way to uh, give a gift to somebody that you don't know what to get for them. And it's also a good way, a wonderful way, to show your support of this podcast. Thank you, Charlotte's Web. And uh, thank you to everybody that wants to give it a try. Uh, go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY19 and you'll get 10% off your purchase. The other one that has changed my life for the better and would also make a wonderful stocking stuffer, although it would have to be a pretty big stocking because they're, they're nice big bags, is Kachava. Kachava. Kachava is a plant-based superfood drink mix that is born in the jungle. These people are for real. The Kachava team are legit and for real, and they go into the Amazon literally in search, Indiana Jones style, for the most, most exotic, nutrient-rich superfoods ever that have been revered by tribal cultures for centuries and sort of forgotten in the Western world, but they're available and bioavailable and wonderful 
in one place, cachava. For everybody that I talk to that is curious about getting more plant-based foods in their diet, more plant-based nutrition, more superfoods in their diet, to feel better, to uh, maintain their health, maintain their weight, whatever their goals might be, I always point them to cachava. It's 100% plant-based. It's got omega-3s from chia seeds and flax seeds, not some anonymous barrel of miscellaneous fish (laughs) that you don't know where they came from. Uh, eight super fruits in the bag, 17 greens and veggies, 17 greens and veggies. Really hard for me to find uh, greens and veggies on the on the road, so I always travel with my cachava. It's gluten-free. It's soy-free. There's no artificial sweeteners or preservatives. It's got just enough coconut nectar, which is a low glycemic sweetener that makes it delicious. Also has powdered coconut milk in there, which mis- mixes with the cacao that makes it a chocolatey, creamy wonder, just with water. Just put it in a, in a bottle and shake it up. It's good to go. 24 grams of protein, plant-based protein, 9 grams of fiber. And the wonderful thing about it is it's actually delicious. I thought I was going to be adding it to my smoothie, but as I always say, turns out it is my smoothie. It's good just on its own. Sometimes I make it with almond milk and frozen strawberries. Tastes like cho- chocolate strawberry ice cream. But the best thing is... You know you're eating something truly healthy, truly amazing, and it gives you a nutrition overload high. Uh, The raw cacao, the maca root in there for energy, for vitality. It is a meal in a pill, or as close as I've come, it's a smoothie. Uh, But it is a meal replacement that keeps you full for hours, and you can get 20% off and show your support of this always free podcast by going to kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird. You get 20% off just by going to that landing page. Another Pete's pick that I love and swear by, you guys know this, is Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain is a nootropic, which means it's like fish food for your noggin. It is clinically shown to support memory and focus with earth-grown ingredients. Uh, It's not a stimulant. It's not like coffee. It won't keep you awake or make you jittery. It is just the nutrients that your brain needs to function. And literally for the past, I don't know, four years now, I haven't done stand-up. I haven't written a script. I haven't done a podcast uh, without taking it. Two or three pills, 15 minutes beforehand. I absolutely always definitely feel a huge difference when I take Alpha Brain. I keep it in my car. I keep it in my carry-on. I keep some in my pocket. I also buy the powdered version, which is the... uh, I have some right here. I guess it is just called the powdered version. Oh, Alpha Brain Instant. Um, Sometimes I just pour that straight into my face because it tastes delicious. Um, And it gets right into your blood and helps me work, helps me focus, helps me communicate, helps me with my memory and my recall and my language. Um, Even, as I always say, going out just on a date with Val and I want to be able to be present and be there and uh, be a good conversationalist and just listen and recall what, what we're talking about. I love Alpha Brain is what I'm saying, not just for my work, but just for a better quality of life. Anything that I do that involves my brain, I swear by Alpha Brain and have turned so many of my friends onto it, and I want you to try it. Show your support of this podcast and try one of my absolute favorite life-changing products, Alpha Brain. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off your purchase and show your support of this show. I'm also doing stand-up. I'm, I'm having so much fun getting back out on the road. All the dates are at PeteHolmes.com. Coming up, Orlando, Brea, California, Oxnard, California, Nashville, Tennessee, Cleveland, Ohio, Houston, Texas, and we have even more being added every week. Please check that out. It's me and the incredible Lara Bites. 
It's such a funny show, such a wonderful show, and it's a new hour of material. Please come out and support. It means so much to see the weirdos on the road. And thank you to everybody that's been coming out. Uh, it's been wonderful to get to spend that time with you and laugh and, and be down to clown, as I, as I like to say. Speaking of which, let's get into Kenny DeForest, just a wonderful man, in one of the silliest, most off-the-rails you made at Weirds ever. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it, but be warned, I haven't slept in this episode. I haven't slept in a few days, and you, you'll be able to tell. Get into it. Get in here, you old galoot. I'm in. You old, you old galooter. Oh, yeah. I, my face is exposed. It's weird to me and no one else. I actually really like it. Oh, thanks. You like my face? That's so nice. Well, we're talking about your beard. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, it's not that I don't like your face. I'm just saying you're saying your face being visible is new. Yeah. It was an accident, but now... Uh, what do you mean? I shaved a bald spot into my beard, and then it just had to go. We had to start over. <laughs> so now it's out. I remember... Uh, it's not as bad as I remember it being, though. Your face? Yeah. Well, because you stopped the boozing. Oh, yeah. Booze is what gives the, the dudes the, the fat faces that they want to hide. That's why, like, scotch loving and beards... You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, it's all like, I love leather work, <laughs> hipster, single malt bars, and this big-ass beard that covers the fact <laughs> that my jowls are going, please. Yeah. That's a little bit That's a little bit judgmental. That might be a story I tell myself. I got jowls. I don't drink. <laughs> so let's be fair. Let's be fair. But I do think the fact that you don't booze is probably one of the reasons why you sh- unless you started boozing again. No, that helps. I don't mean to assume. No, that's okay. Are you still off the sauce? Yeah. Good uh, for you. Or, you yeah. know, maybe you hate it. No, I do. I, I, uh, you do hate no, it? No, I hate it every day. Uh, no, it's, it's good. It's way better. I don't, um, I don't wake up screaming obscenities most days, you like know? The- Fuck! Ah! Ah! Like, <laughs> I would be the... You didn't really, did you? Oh, I would be the sort of... I mean, man, I, I've lost so many jobs. I've lost jobs because of booze. Really? Missed well, radio appearances. Well, that's... You know, I once did radio still drunk. Yeah. It was actually kind of one of my fondest drinking memories. Yeah. See, that can be fun. And that's the problem when you're young. When yeah, you're I like was in my 20s. I was in my 20s. Yeah, you drink until three in the morning. You sleep two hours. You somehow wake up funnier than when you went to sleep, <laughs> you know, because you feel so bad. It's like bringing out your funny and you're well, there's like, also, ah! There's so much insecurity. There's more insecurity. There's less sense of self. There's less, less sense of skill and ability. True. So you're trying to like get around yourself. Yeah, that's your idea of yourself. So if you can like make him pass out, then you can sneak around and be funnier than the than the negating voice in your head will let you be. Interesting. But that's some that's some stupid ass shit. That's like you know, that's like getting a, a lion drunk instead of putting a lion in a cage and feeding him veal. I don't know what lions do. There's a better way, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But that is the most common way. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's true. But what um, what what jobs did you lose? Um, well, I got put on, I was, I worked for a moving company in New York and it's like the moving company in New York that every comedian, you know, that was a mover probably worked for who ran it. Um, this guy, Alex, I didn't know Um, a friend of mine who was a comedian. Andy Haynes worked there. Uh, Andy Haynes, one of the OGs, OG company, Racine, Mike Racine. Like there's a, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And, uh, picturing Drew Michael, but Mike Racine. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) Italian Drew Michael. I'm just kidding. I'm always mixing them up, though. And I think I one time complimented Mike Racine on a Drew Michael bit. Wow. And he didn't, it didn't even throw him. Or it was Drew Michael in a Mike Racine bit. 
And either way, they were just like, thanks, dude. Yeah, my bits are good. Mike Birbiglia just called me yesterday, and he was like, a woman came up to me and was like, I love your show Crashing. And he was like, that's not me. <laughs> and then she was like, you must get that all the time. And he was like, no. No. <laughs> Just you. Just you. <laughs> He's like, that person is seven feet tall. Oh, my God. I'm just undressing here, by the way. I love it. Sometimes I tell people to, to cuddle up on the couch. Yeah. But I, I, Kenny I saw, DF. I saw you doing it, and I was like, I'm in. Yeah, we're in my jams. Yeah, dude. So what job did you lose? You were because you were a well, I, Yeah, I was put on. I was just put on... Um, uh, like suspension. I was put in what's called the penalty box because I know call no show uh, twice in a week. Uh-huh. Both were booze related. And it was also just like the like 25th straw where it's <laughs> like, you know, at some point I'm going to have to read the signs here. Yeah. I'm not good at this anymore. At drinking. Yeah. Is that, is that what happened? Yeah. Just like, just sloppy. Just general slop. I was just sloppy. <laughs> Just general slop all the time. Shucking the slop. I was shucking the slop, man. And you know, I'm I'm the kind of dude I get three in me, and it's like let's go to all night. You yeah. know, I always like yeah. a, all a couple glasses of wine to me is is just it revs you up. Yeah, no, I understand that. So I'm not a guy that's like, ooh, two glasses. That was a fine evening. Time to go home and read my paper. <laughs> There's a Leo Allen bed where he's like, you never black out and do something beautiful. Like you wake up and your apartment's filled with, this is Leo Allen. You wake up and your apartment is filled with origami. Like there's something gorgeous inside of me. It's always like you tried to make spaghetti. Yeah. 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 I almost, yeah. I've almost burned the house down cooking frozen pizzas. Really? That whole thing. Yeah. It's a wonder that that doesn't happen more. Life is deadly. Yeah. I thought about a time I was drunk in front of the Boston in New York, the club, and I was just met these guys they were going downstairs and i was speaking spanish and my friend rich aronovich was there and i was speaking spanish and all the spanish i knew was trash talk so i was just i guess i didn't even know what blacked out meant i thought blacked out meant you fell asleep like i thought that was the end of the night yeah yeah and people are like i blacked out last night i'm like yeah me too around 2 a.m i had some pizza and i just passed out total blackness <laughs> but i looking back was kind of blackout because i did something that i didn't really remember and the next day rich told me he was like everything you were saying was like fuck your mother mother like it wasn't to provoke them right it's that's all the spanish i could think of yeah and i thought it was being funny and charming yeah and he was like if i hadn't been there i think seven dudes would have killed you yeah maybe dude, not killed me, me but... too and like yeah my my humor gets mean when i'm drunk you I know hate how I, i'm like how convinced that i'm being hilarious and the next day it's like dude what the fuck is your Can problem I... i'm like i don't know man i'm gonna do you one worse and this is this is the shame i'm gonna let's pretend there's a wizard's cap and it's the shame cap. the shame cap i'm gonna okay. put on the wizard sure. shape shame it's got crescent moons on it okay and stars that's how you know and it's blue that's how you know you're a wizard <laughs> Sure, anyone can levitate, but you got to earn the hat. So I put on the hat. And when I, and I've apologized to Chris Thayer for this, I'm an advice giver. Mm -hmm. But now, Sobe Pete, Sobe Ice Tea, will say to people, Can I give you advice? Or would you like my advice? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or at the at my worst, I'll just start giving the advice and then I'll say, I'm so sorry. I'm just an advice guy. I hope that was okay. Right. But when Petey would drink, uh, I would tell my opener, Chris, like all the things. Like, I was like, you should open with this. Like, I hated that guy. Like, yeah. I had the cocaine of having done the show in my blood and then one drink. And then I was like, let me tell you what you should do. I'll fix you now. Let me fix you. You're, you know what your problem is? I wouldn't say that. It was never that gross. But it reminds me of people in my family that, that would like 
try to fix you and you're like no one asked no one asked yeah that's what booze did for me and yeah. i hated that and shit. i also just got like as i get older the stakes are just higher so like in your 20s you know you you, you, you black out you wake up and you're like oh what did i say and then you're just kind of like oh whatever but I don't know. The older I get, the oh, more I'm like, yeah. what did I say? Who was I talking to? No, but seriously, this is important. Who was it and what did I say? I can't Dude, just I, let it go. I licked the head of the Booker of Best Week Ever ones. I, I got so nervous. I was on Best Week Ever and I got shit fucked because I was so nervous. Sure. And I remember I was just a rookie. It's not an excuse. But I remember, you know how you're supposed to sip something after you do a shot, uh -huh. usually a beer or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. I was doing shots of tequila and then I'd sip my vodka on the rocks to cleanse. <laughs> to cleanse. It's like in between courses at a restaurant, I'd have a hoagie. <laughs> and it, yeah. And it's funny because looking back, if someone in that moment had said, hey, Pete, are you okay? You would have been like, yeah, why? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I remember I went to Meltdown with a bottle of wine, which I thought made perfect sense. I usually had about four glasses. That's a bottle. I just bring my own bottle because nobody has wine. And Neil Brennan called me the next day and was like, are you okay? And I was like, why? He was like, you brought your own wine to a show. That's fucking weird. I didn't yeah. think it was that weird. It's funny, man. And I didn't think it was weird because maybe this is my question for you. Are you that way in other aspects in life? Because I was just like, oh, is getting drunk the cool thing? Okay, let's just fucking do it. We're yeah. going to do a shot of tequila and we're going to chase it with vodka. And next thing you know, I'm just like hovering uh -huh. like I'm barely keeping upright. And then I met Doug Benson that night and I don't even remember. And that goes back to your original point, which was like, he didn't like me. He still, he still kind of playfully doesn't like me, but we were friends. Yeah. He sort of likes being annoyed by me, but like, I didn't remember meeting him that night. That's not a good thing. Yeah, and you're probably talking nonstop because you're hammered. So it's listen just... to me now. This yeah. is me on fucking one coffee. Yeah, that's because Kenny Defoe is yeah, coming me over. Too. I'm fucking yeah, I'm fired up. Let's go. <laughs> Woo! Woo! So are you extreme in that way? Like if you're like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Like yeah. I know you played basketball, and you're like, I'm going to be a pro basketball. Are, are yeah, you like black. And I'm white? always intense. Yeah, I'm intense. I I do things too hard, and I'm also so fucking insecure, which is something I've really been working on. Which you know, no booze. Often, all of a sudden, therapy comes into the mix. You start to learn more. Yeah, about yourself. But yeah, I mean, to me, it was That's like where I grew up, man. It's just the Midwest. It's like a cultural thing. We 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 drink and we drink hard. And where are you from? Uh, Springfield, Missouri, Southwest uh, Missouri. I don't know. Home of Brad Pitt, baby. Oh, Thelma and Louise. So, so now you know. <laughs> what if I only knew Brad Pitt from Thelma and Louise? That's the I love Thelma and Louise. <laughs> you know he's done other stuff. Thelma and Louise. <laughs> oh, from the Mexican. Love that guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> now you sound like my mom. Daniel Day-Lewis. I wish I could think of Lesser Lewis. Oh, yeah. What's a good Lesser Lewis? I was Lewis? actually, yeah, I was just looking up Daniel Day-Lewis movies. They're all really good, though. He only does like one every four years. So, but what, what, How did he cut his teeth? Because I saw, sorry, but I'm going to just show my hand. I was watching other interviews with you for little tids, tids oh. and bits. Oh, yeah. And you were like, I want to do bit parts in, in movies and stuff. And I was like, see, that's smart. Uh, I've said this a million. See, this is like one cocktail, Pete. I'm not giving you advice. Yeah, please. This is why it's good for me to have a podcast. I'll guys, tell you I now. Please assume, give me advice. No, it's not advice, though. I can assume this will benefit somebody. Yeah. Not you. Will Ferrell did this really smart thing where he did smaller parts. He didn't go from SNL right into leading roles. He did old school. And that was like he stole the movie. Yeah. As opposed to... I don't want to name other people, but there's a lot of other people that jumped from one platform into film and they went with the starring role and it, it's better to go small part yeah. and steal the movie. 
Uh, so what did that have to do with fucking anything? You were saying. Um, Jesus being fuck. insecure. Uh, I hate this. Therapy. You're watching other interviews. DDL, how did he start? Thank you. You are now the host. DDL. You made it Daniel weird Day. with Kenny DeForest. What I'm saying is, what was his old school? He had to have done something small. Yeah, I mean, he was in a... What if I just handed you $50 a... because you remembered? <laughs> Here's $50 and some free me undies. <laughs> yeah. Here's $50 and also you're now uh, the bit actor in movies that you... <laughs> I have that power. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. It would be amazing. So you do my podcast and then when you leave... You, you're in. You got a studio deal. B-movie too. I'm going to look this up because I actually was um, I was thinking of doing an internet thing where it's... Uh, You're on the internet? Each type of Republican uh, as displayed by a Daniel Day-Lewis character. Oh, fun. And I was so I was doing a little research. Yeah. Which one is the butcher one? Bill the Butcher is the nativist. That's like the... You know, that's like the the guy who's just like go back to your country uh-huh you know that's that guy he was always saying go back to your borough there will be blood is like the the just cold-blooded industrialist they're like so similar they are they really are i mean look at them they're but the industrialist yeah lincoln is confusing because uh lincoln was a democrat well no wait but all republicans point out now they go actually lincoln was a republican so how are yeah. we the racist party and it's like yeah. well it was 150,000 can we years. edit Actually, don't edit it out. Just loop it that I said Lincoln was a Democrat five times. Oh, this looks like it was bad. Daniel Day-Lewis, in the name of the father, that looks like a very bad cover. Yeah, no. That can't be good. That was the cover of every movie. That's also the cover. It's just a straight-on shot of his face, which I'm pretty sure is also the poster for Last of the Mohicks. Oh, yeah. He he was the Mohique. Oh, no, it's not. He's running in Last of the Mohicks. Oh, that's another type of Republican. Guy dressed as Native American. I think he's the, <laughs> the appropriation Republican? Yeah, yeah. Which one's Phantom Thread? There's got to be. I haven't one. seen Phantom Thread. I was trying to figure that out. I need to watch it for this. Well, it's just like an elegant debonair. You don't see debonair often, but when you do, you know it. You do. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, know, I mean? you you know go, holy shit, I didn't know Debonair was in my vocabulary, but I just saw a man on a big wheeled bicycle. <laughs> and he's drinking single malt and he has a beard. And he has a beard. And he thinks he has a double chin, but really it's just a fat chin. <laughs> he thinks he has a weak chin, but really it's a double chin. That's what it is. That's what I meant you to say. You think you have a weak chin, but really it's just two normal chins. Yeah. You just got to lose one of those chins, dog. You're good. <laughs> oh, my Jesus. Um, you're, you're a redheaded man. Uh, yeah, reddish blondish, I'd say. You're red. Yeah, okay, cool. Sorry. Yeah. I'm actually happy about that. Are you? Yeah. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Redheads are dwindling. It's too, we it's need too more. Red. It's too red. Oh, good. It's too red to be blue. I was like straight up blonde as a kid. So that's why toe-headed? I still, Yeah, I was toe-headed. What does that mean? I don't know. Are people's toes But my mom blonde? used to literally always call me little toe-head. So I know. Is it because the hair on our toes is so fair? Oh. Ooh. Also, when coffee is piping hot, it's piping. It's smoking like a pipe. Whoa. Is yeah. that what that... That is what that is. Yeah. There's so many phrases you say and you go... And also where I'm from, sometimes I'll say something like from, from, from the Ozarks. I'm like, oh, that's definitely racist. Yeah. And I... I didn't even think about that. I mean, everybody. Just now. I, th- I'm from Boston, and we have those as oh, well. Oh, sure. Boston is the South with MIT. Yeah. <laughs> we the have the South, South with MIT and so MIT. <laughs> I was just in San Francisco for the first time, and Bill Burr always says that Boston is racist San Francisco. And I didn't yeah, realize. I, didn't get that. I mean, really, it is the same feeling city. It's crazy. No, I, I totally know what he's talking about. Yeah. The, the pier feels like Quincy Market and all that stuff. It always makes me feel like I'm at home. Yeah. So it was too cold. Yeah. I, know, I know I'm really breaking new ground there. But when I was with Bill, this is what brought your gingerness. Can I say ginger? Please. Ness? Please, please. Up is that 
Bill, we were having lunch or something, and a homeless person came up and started calling him Ron Howard. And he had he had a shaved head. So he's like, there's nothing I can do. No, I'm serious. Ah, oh, it's there's brutal. I can do. It's brutal. Oh, dude. And he was like, it's the only group. It's the only group you're allowed to discriminate against. No, I'm serious. Everybody's, man, 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 this group, this group. What about the redheads? And I, I, it, I thought of that with you. <laughs> no. Bill Burr is the most fun person to impress. Brutal. Oh, dude. <laughs> Can you imagine just walking up to some guy at a Starbucks? <laughs> That's excellent. That's excellent. That was- Ron Howard. Dude, can you imagine if I called some black guy Terrence Howard? That is un- <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> They'd be out there with their picket signs. Oh, he's a racist. Cancel him. <laughs> Dude, why don't you go back to the suburbs? Watch a movie, you know? Take your kid to the soccer game, you know? <laughs> It's exactly what he was saying. <laughs> I did him for sticker treat one year. And I was like, oh, Halloween. You know, ooh, look at me. I'm Bill the Put. No, you're not. You're an auto worker in Queens. You're a grown man in a costume. Okay. Brutal. <laughs> that is 10 out of 10. <laughs> that is. You're going to be out there with your picket signs. <laughs> He always takes it to such extremes. With your arts and crafts. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you were doing arts and crafts. That seems like a premise. Like white nationalists trying to seem badass, but they have signs. You have signs. How badass can you be if you were doing arts and crafts this afternoon? You were using paste. Dude, is that glitter on that swastika? <laughs> Dude, come on. You had pace. You got the purple kind so you know where it is on the paper because you can't remember. <laughs> Out there with your Elmers or your gorilla. Yeah. You know? Which is it? You kicking ass or you going to the <laughs> supply store to buy pink Sharpies? <laughs> oh, my God. Bill Burr premises. BBP. BBP. You down with BBP? Oh, man, so much. I had to stop watching some of it. I mean, because he's obviously someone I looked up to, so... Yeah, you can't watch too much. Movie. I remember I was listening to a set of mine when I, in the Chicago days, and I was I, I was saying you know after every joke, and I was like, I don't even say that, but it was yeah. my jokes. But then I'd be like, Yeah, my girlfriend's busting my balls, you know. I go first of all, I don't say busting balls or you know, so I have to stop <laughs> watching Bill Burr. <laughs> Just breaking my balls, you know, in my voice though. <laughs> I see so many Louis on the road too, uh, which are, which is all you have to do to do Louis. I know he's not scandal noted. Yeah. Let's tip the hat. Yeah, rest in power, Louie. Rest in power? Is that a thing? I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> what does it mean? Uh, no, I mean... Is that, what, is that what dummies say? No, it's uh, it's actually... Well, I usually hear it if it's like, you know, like a a black person that fought for the cause dies. It's oh, like rest in power, you know, or I like, see. or like uh, a lot of times, like anyone who fought for the cause, right. you know, that like kind of put their life out there for the greater good. It'll be like rest in power queen. Right. You I know, see. you fought for women, rest in power, that type of thing. I see. It's so like um, yeah, using it for a guy who jacked off. Probably. <laughs> He's dismissive. We'll, we'll overlay the audio of me saying Lincoln was a Democrat over, <laughs> over that. So you won't hear it. Perfect. But um, Louis is always like, uh, you act as if you have something else to say, but you don't say it. 
You go like, and then you get the you get the the Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Like you fucking eat it, eat the fucking shit. Like eat the eat the flakes. Yeah, that's it. You eat the flakes that are there because it's what you that's have. That's it. You can do all the gingers. You eat the flakes because you pour, you pour the fucking milk on them because this fucking cow tit water fucking. <laughs> Drink it and then you cut it and you have a diarrhea. You put the fucking cow tit in the bowl because it's shit like your life. <laughs> and you fuck and that's, you mush it down and you drink it. It's got a fucking roundness to it that I didn't. I can't do it. You it's can do just, it. Be, it's, just, it's just you gotta be a cartoon dog and fucking thing. Everyone in the Midwest sounds like Louie because you watch Louie and then you just become Louie. Yes. <laughs> That's a weird moment. I know I've said this on the podcast before, but when you go home after you become a comedian and you realize all your five funny friends are just doing comedians. Mm-hmm. I went to a wedding and, I, and there was this kid and he was doing Jim Gaffigan, literally going like, that's sad. And everyone was dying. And I was like, this is before Gaffigan was huge. And I was like, what, what is happening here? That's That was me too. I was doing Regan and Seinfeld. Oh, and yeah, Cosby we are. I mean, and... that's just how you start. You don't know what the hell you're doing. You're yeah, too afraid yeah. to be yourself. Yeah. So you do. I remember one time in high school, a friend of mine. You go to fucking to me high school because fucking high school. Junior high is fucking. Do the fucking. And it's just you're looking at tits and your <laughs> dumb dick is hard. <laughs> Can't go to the blackboard. Your fucking dick is fucking rock hard. <laughs> your fucking dick is hard. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I just remember he looked at me one time in class and goes, "Hey, how do you spell shoot you in the fucking face?" And I had never heard Dane Cook, and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard in my because we were actually oh, taking a spelling test. My, and so he just turned and goes, "How do you spell shoot you in the fucking face?" And I was like, "This is the funniest person I've ever met yeah. in my entire life." And then I was listening to Dane Cook like a year later. I was like, "Oh." Oh, you yeah. bastard. Was that a line? Yeah, it's like uh, Dan Cook has that joke about going to the bank. And he's like, you know what I like to do with the bank? I like to uh, have a ski mask and like a pen and a pad. And I, I tap the person in front of me in line. I go, hey, how do you spell shoot you in the fucking face? <laughs> it's a great joke. <laughs> how do you spell? He doesn't know any of it. He doesn't know any of it. He doesn't even know shoot. Yeah. It's mostly O's. <laughs> It's shit with double O's. Yeah, it really it's infinity is. shit. Uh, you get it? Two O's looks like the symbol for infinity. Oh, shit. You smoked DMT. I did. Tell me, Totos, because it ties into your drinking because the light shone on your liver and you thought maybe there's more healing to do with my liver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the DMT dance. You... You smoked DMT. Yeah, um, I did. My friend got a hold of some, and I, you know, the first time I did when mushrooms, I did. This was uh, back in Chicago. for legal reasons. So I started in <laughs> Chicago, listeners, after the Pete Holmes Chicago era. We, I I climbed into the to the scene that they built. Oh, you know, well, we we stepped in. We heard. Did all you the, feel that way? Well, it was interesting because it was very clear that we were in a very good time of Chicago comedy. There was a lot of shows, and and then you know naturally you go, hey, what? Why is it like this? And it's like, oh yeah, the class before us, they had the Globe Pub, and then it slowly spread into more and more bar shows. And That's great. Your class was insane. I still found Chicago, especially the smaller rooms, to be harder than other places. Mm. And I think that's good. It is good, like running with weights. Yeah, I mean, Chicago's such a drinking town. Everyone's hammered. So if you want to get them to laugh and pay attention, you got to bring it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the DMT. So I, I did, um, 
I did mushrooms for the. I was real straight and narrow when I played ball, so I think that was. I'm a person of extremes, as we discussed. So when yeah. I quit, I was finally like, you know, I was like, I was like drinking and smoking cigarettes by the first weekend after basketball. You know what I mean? And I had never smoked cigarettes, and all of a sudden I'm like, let me try one of those. I don't need my lungs no more. <laughs> And um, it's really stupid and just kind of went way too hard in the paint the other way. Um, But one of the things I did in college was uh, mushrooms. And I just the first time I did it, I had like two caps and two stems or something. So just enough to be like, oh, I definitely like this. And this Mm. feels positive. This doesn't feel like I don't have any guilt about this. Right. Every time I've ever like done coke or something, the next day I'm like, what have I done? Right. Your parents raised you better than this. Right, right, right. This reflects on them, you know. I don't recall seeing mushrooms tacked to the dare board. Yeah. They, Here even are then, the bad ones. I don't remember. Even that. then they knew. They were like, yeah, these are probably fine. I'm on mushrooms right now. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> a costume. That's how I became a dare officer. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, I kind of got it. I, once I did the little bit of mushrooms the first time, I was like, this is an avenue I want to explore. What more. happened that time? Just a I little just, mild, mini mild? Just a little mini mild. And I, it just like the laughies, man. It was like the funniest I'd felt in a long time. You know, like it, that when your ego melts. Because your ego really stops you from taking risks a lot. Because it's there to protect you. Right. So your ego is what makes you go, that's not funny. That's right. That's uh, what we were talking about, getting him drunk so you can sneak around him. Totally. Yeah. yeah so Mushrooms like, is like, let's instead give him this bed to sleep on. Yeah. And that's so <laughs> interesting you say that. Because I really think... I was thinking about this on the way over, man. So much of my 20s and up to now, I'm 33 now, has been kind of like rediscovering who I actually am because so much of my young life was me trying to project what I thought other people yeah. wanted me to be. That's right. Which is very common. And But uh, one of them is when you play sports, you kind of got to be a serious, you know, kind of project the air of a hard ass, which I'm the opposite by right. nature. Right. I'm actually the silliest fucking person there is. And But then like that stayed with me so long. So comedy is so silly. But even then, like... My inclination sometimes is to go up there and lean on the mic and make sure I'm being cool. Like you're posturing. But really, yeah. I should be very silly. It's I comedy. I think about this all the time. People that look in the mirror that like look like a jock, and yeah. they're like, I guess I'm a jock. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. Because of your package? Yeah. Or people that look sexy, and they're like, I guess I'm sexy. I guess I'm a hot person. Like, I've met a lot of hot people that are total goofs or whatever, or like slobs, or just regular folk or whatever, and yeah. I've met a lot of... Not classically attractive people that are like sex machines and confident, you know, like it doesn't matter. No, it's just your package. That's a real mushroom trip. It is. It is. That's a real whisper. That's interesting, too, because I've met people like that and like hot people that are silly. People almost don't believe them. They're almost like, oh, stop acting like you're just silly. Yeah. We all know you're just a hot person. Yeah. Like I'm silly, though. Yeah. And athletes for sure. Mm -hmm. If there was ever an artistic, we'd call them arty sporties. Oh, he's an arty sporty. An arty sporty. But sporty... Sporty was doing the bulk of the carrying in that definition. Yeah. It meant that he was a tourist in the arts. But yeah. really, if you throw a lacrosse ball at him, you can't be too ready for it. He'd be too ready for <laughs> He'd it. He'd be too ready. He'd be way too I ready. I didn't know he had a stick. Yeah. And he catches it. You can't be revealing that you're actually super coordinated while you're in the middle of your art. Yeah. You, know, but you lose mean, the crowd. How many times do we need to see movies where we find out that people aren't what they are on the outside? We're, we're the stupidest species in the world oh totally over and over we have to remember oh they are an identity like an awareness inside of a packaging and the packaging tells you almost nothing yeah almost nothing i'll take height yeah it tells you their height i know by looking at you how often you have to reach for things yeah or ask for assistance yeah because if you're a child maybe i'll help you get those uh, el fudges yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Or is that calm? El Fudge. The El Fudge. <laughs> the El Fujay. El Fujay. <laughs> El Fujay. But I mean, it's the most basic thing, but we can't stop learning it. No. We can't stop it's forgetting true, man. it. It's so true. And I remember like, I remember going into high school, a kid in my neighborhood, we, we had a group of kids. It was like our little Sandlot crew. You know, we'd meet up, play flag football, whatever. And he told me, he's like, you're in high school now. You're like, you're going to be one of, uh, th- one of three things, four things. But he was like, you're, there's jocks, there's nerds, there's preps, and there's goths. Oh, my God. And you're going to be one of those four things. And I remember being like, you know, 11, 12, and being like, okay, I guess I'll be a jock. Wow. And then like consciously like, okay, what would a jock wear to school? Yeah. Probably just like... Did Probably you have, just like basketball shorts and a t-shirt, like kind of be above it all. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Dude. Like I'm really just using class as a waiting room for practice. Yeah. Like I don't even have to change. No, I'm ready. <laughs> I only wear pants that can be torn off in a split second <laughs> to reveal my ready shorts. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. But then you forgot religious kids. Yeah. Oh, religious and theater kids. kids. Yeah. Theater kids, band kids. Band kids. That's a whole nother sect. But I mean, you're helping me remember that we were just going like, I had an older brother, so I just would wear his, like he had Adidas with hockey laces in them. So I was oh, that's like, cool. I guess I'll wear these. I sagged my drawers. <sighs> oh yeah, we all did. I sagged them. Did you, was it a thing for you guys where you try to look as like, as much like you just got out of bed as possible? That was a big yeah. thing at my school. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. It was yeah. actually like bedhead uh, gel. So it's like, I remember that. put this in your hair and it'll look like you didn't do anything. And then B.O. deodorant. B.O. <laughs> deodorant. B.O. deodorant. Yeah. You'd, you'd swipe a little ball sweat onto your balls. Like, ooh, yeah. My man is musty. No, that was, uh, that was I, I guess we're similar ages. That was definitely the game. The name of the game was to look like you didn't do anything. Yeah. Because right before that, it was like you were supposed to look like you really did a lot. Mm-hmm. I used That's to smell like... Uh, Astringent. Remember astringent? Oh yeah, Noxzema. No, were you were you Abercrombie? No, no. how dare you? Okay, <laughs> I didn't. You know, how dare you? Well, okay, so you you're more of like an American Eagle. How dare you? Aero Pastel. I was Gap at best. You were Gap at best. <laughs> you were you were you were uh, elderly no, I, Navy. I had aspirations for elderly Navy. <laughs> I yeah. I don't know what I was, man. I remember going to the thrift store and being like, is this who I am? Oh, yeah. People were buying like weird flannels that someone died in. Yeah, totally. That was the thing, right? It would be like Ray's Auto Garage. Right. And it's like, are you Ray? Like, no, dude. (laughs) None of it worked. That's the coolest part. I couldn't wait. Comedy is what gave me my only and first identity. I had religion. I had the khakis and the white button-down shirts, and I shaved my head, and I looked like a youth pastor my senior year. Yeah. But I didn't know what I was doing. No one does. No. And then you you have to, like, what helps with your, at least your, like, superficial identity is finding the thing that you're good at or at least interested in. And that was comedy. And then I was like, oh, I'm a comedy guy. But that didn't come until college. Yeah. And what's weird is I went to college to be a youth pastor. I thought I was going to like double down on that. But then I ended up luckily getting roped into comedy. Yeah, man. I, it's funny because I, um, I was a pretty religious kid. I, although I was Catholic in a very um, evangelical area. So I was actually a religious minority, which is strange. That's hilarious. To think- and evangelicals look down on... Oh, big time. Oh, big time. It was funny. One of my friends convinced me to go to the mega church, and like I was so resistant. And I was always the kid that was like, How are we going to say that 
Buddhists are going to hell. They think they're right too. You know, that was always my whole thing. You were already there? Yeah, in high school. That's awesome. Because I was just like, well, that was the part that always bothered me. Most people, you see, when somebody says there's four groups in high school, somebody would be like, that's preposterous. There's going to be microclimates in any climate, you know? Like you did that religiously speaking. Yeah. Like most of us just go, got it. There's four groups. We're... We're saved. Catholics are damned. Buddhists are like they just evaporate. I think. Yeah, yeah. They just Hindus become, are nuts. Yeah, they, yeah. They don't even know what they're about. Too many blue gods. Yeah. Too many Can't arms. Many too many arms gods. on their gods. Elephants are for training in a circus. I only worship bipeds. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, part of it too though was there's so much sexual guilt in Catholicism, and oh, I was sure. maybe the horniest teenage boy that's ever existed. So oh really? At that point, I was probably just looking for anything to justify yeah <laughs> you know my boners of, yeah because you weren't being good by their standards i was like well that's what my entire book is about just so you know yeah i'm not trying to sell you my book. no no I'll i need to read it my book yeah please on the way out but it's about it's you could call it <laughs> my life in christianity through the lens of masturbation <laughs> that's the whole book but what, what was that for you are you looking for the pornos in the woods or you're kind of you're younger than me, so you're probably downloading it. Yeah. Well, what are you doing? We were, you know, it's funny. My first, uh, I have a very funny memory. It's, it's a foot rife with religious guilt, but I remember watching Howard Stern on E. Oh yeah. And that was my earliest, like closest, like because he would have porn stars on, and he'd be yeah. like, "Why don't you just moan into the microphone?" And then just be some woman going ah with I her tits know, out, and I'm I I'm like 12 years old. I'm like, ah, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I remember even then being like, they look very fake yeah yeah there <laughs> you was... always had like very extreme that can be beautiful too i'm, I'm yeah it's, it's not my thing but i remember even as a kid i had a thing even well, porn as a stars, kid like looked like porn stars in, back then yeah now it's like they were wearing like new year's eve hats <laughs> <laughs> they had like a bird on their shoulder <laughs> now porn stars could be anybody it could be anybody yeah. Yeah, dude it could be anybody oh it's brutal it's like what is this my barista <laughs> I just saw my Lyft driver in a fucking four-inch, four-minute bang, bro. Ah, two stars. <laughs> Let's just say uh, the car wasn't the only thing that needed a lift. You know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Bill Burr goes vaudeville now, I think. I love it. Uh, wordplay. Yeah. You were saying? Um, oh, yeah. The Howard Stern memory is so funny. Jenna Jameson was writing a Sibian. Okay, What's so a Sibian? it was like the biggest. It was like the super vibrator of the time. It had just come out, and it was like women would straight up sit on it. It almost looked like a guitar amp with a dildo on top of it. Uh huh. And then it did the whole thing vibrated. What if I? So she's going like, and on she's the going way out. Nuts. You see one in my bedroom. I'm like, what? <laughs> Your book is on it. You're like, just go ahead and grab that on the way out. <laughs> Looks like a horse saddle. Yes. Yes, but with a dildo, and uh-huh. the whole thing vibrates, and obviously the women lose their minds in in, in ecstasy. So I'm like a 12 year old, and I have all this Catholic guilt, and I didn't want to masturbate because I was so afraid of going to hell. So I remember <laughs> watching the civvy, and I go to the bathroom, and I'm just like staring at my little teenage dick, <laughs> trying to like will it to ejaculate because I didn't wow. want to touch it. So I was like, "Come on, please, dude! I don't want to one up your shame, but please. I, I used to." without touching it because there was something you can't get hornier than someone that's horny and thinks they're going to hell for it. The cocktail of guilt and shame. So I would look at porn mm-hmm. every once in a while. Sure. And that was a real commitment because like internet speed. Dial up. 
This is when I was married the first time. It's so embarrassing. But I, I remember I would just be like, you know, I'll watch something mild just because, just for the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you <laughs> like, got to justify it. I convinced myself. It's just beauty. It's like the female form is beautiful. And I would watch something and I wouldn't even, it would just be the friction of my own wanger in my pants mm-hmm. and I would explode. Mm-hmm. Explode. Explode. What and then this? E? And it's funny. Like, what is this? Howard Stern E? I always laugh about it because it's like. So I could do it. In our heads too at that time, it's like. Ah, oh, yes. Well, good thing I didn't touch myself. God's pleased with this. Yeah. You know? Dude, I used don't. To, I used to have an early joke about this, but like all the all the people in my high school that were having anal sex because they didn't want to have vaginal sex because yeah. that's bad. Yeah. And I, it was like one of my early stand-up jokes. I'm like, because you know God's pumped about that. He's up there like, well... I had a joke for about a minute. It for a minute there, I thought something bad was happening, yeah. but it's a good thing that's you're getting butt fucked. Very similar. I'm glad you that. jumped right to the uh, expert level. Yeah. <laughs> you jumped right to the bonus feature. <laughs> you sure did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Skip straight to the DVD extras. I see. <laughs> right on. Yeah. No, I I knew people like that, but I, even that, I I don't know. I was like, why don't you just bundle it all up and keep it to yourself? I also thought I could give myself STDs. Hilarious. I also tried telling myself that every time you jerk off, you're killing a million babies. Nothing worked. I was mm. I was more than a million babies horny. I was like, <sighs> it's worth it, <laughs> dude. I had so much fear, like STD fear, and the first time I ever had unprotected sex, like just out in the wild, you know, like it was my first one night stand. Yeah, and the condom broke. Oh, so it wasn't even unprotected sex. It was temporarily unprotected sex. But yeah, in my head, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, fully yeah. terrified. It's like predator blood. You touch it and it sizzles through you. And yeah, you're dead. Yeah, that's, that's it. All, that's all. That's it all it takes is a drop. That's right. And we went back to my buddy's room, me and the girl, because it was like a dorm room. I was visiting my buddy at college, and uh, her and I went back to my buddy's room to see what, if they wanted to get breakfast. And they're like, "Hey, we're actually getting ready to watch a movie. You want to watch a movie?" We're like, "Hell yeah!" And we sat down and they turned on the movie Kids, which is just a bunch of teens giving each other AIDS. Yeah, who wrote that movie? Me when I was twelve. <laughs> And then the one kid with the AIDS gets sex with the other kid that don't got the AIDS. Now they both got the AIDS. And then another kid has sex with both of them, and he has double AIDS now. And then the finale is he has sex with the one kid that don't got the AIDS. Apologies for doing a bit that involves a disease, but the bit stands. That's so funny. (laughs) Who wrote this? Me when I was 12? That's what I thought. Everybody has AIDS. AIDS. That's, that's, That's exactly right. That's what I thought the world of being single was. It was hugely formed by the movie Kids. Yeah. And uh, No Me Gusta. No Me Gusta, indeed. I had a straight-up panic attack that day. I was just like, ah. I actually would like to, I would like a, a, an expert to break down the movie Kids because Kids does work like a horror movie, and I do not want to give this a goog, everybody, if you're curious. If you're in the scene and you're having some unprotected... Don't take Uncle Petey's word for it. He's uh, getting up with a baby at 3 a.m. I'm not your your source. But what I'm saying is if somebody has uh, HIV, which, of course, is not a laughing matter, so that's respect given, Uh, somebody has HIV, um, and then they have sex with somebody once, is it guaranteed that that person has HIV? Because the, the movie is working with the logic that if you have sex... You have HIV with somebody that has HIV. I don't know. Is that? Do you know anything about that? I don't. I, I don't know how likely it is. Uh, it, is it a hundred percent? No. I don't Katie, think give so. it a goog. Katie's got a goog. You know why? I'm sorry to boss you around. I'm just saying. I feel like if we're going to talk about SCDs, 
and people like get their info from things like this. Oh yeah, potentially. Yeah, I want to make talk sure about making it right. weird. That's right. Yeah, made it very well. Kenny, very Kenny weird. said it was wasn't very likely. So I <laughs> went and banged an AIDS patient with no condom. <laughs> oh no! Don't do that. Please. Oh no! So go on. Uh, you had unprotected after the movie. You watched the movie Kids. Oh, I watched the movie afterwards, and it was just oh. like all of my die. Catholic guilt just congealed into one ball of fear. And yeah. uh, I still remember how I felt. I mean, I was like, I felt like I was on fire on the inside of my body, and yeah. it very much felt like the heavens being like, "This is what you get." Yeah, this movie was made for you in this moment. Yeah, to be seen in this moment. Correct. By you. Yeah, Rosario Dawson knew that you needed this. I didn't remember she, she was, was in that. that. Yeah, that was because I think that I think it was all like Juilliard kids that were in it. It was all like little prodigies, little prodigies, yeah. very well acted. And it was the kid Chris from The Wire, mm-hmm. one of the heroin people, which I'm going to take as a as a serendipity because when I was saying I was swaying mm-hmm. because I was so drunk, I was taking shots and doing chasing it with vodka. I was thinking like Bubs and The Wire, but I didn't want to be disrespectful. And now we're back at The Wire. And now we're back to it. It's a serendip. Yeah, Bubs. So you smoked DMT. I smoked DMT. Back to that. Yeah, it was wild. Because um, <laughs> I did a lot of research about it first. I, I always, and you know, and I think I've, I've listened to your podcast a lot, so I know that you have some similarities with this, but psychedelics often, there's like a huge sect of psychedelics that's formerly very religious people that uh-huh. leave the church and then psychedelics provide a way of like, well, I can search for spirituality in this other that's realm. Right. right. It goes from reading about an experience to having an experience. Right. right? Totally. And, and and was that what you had? You were like, there's something to it. Yeah. Is that what happened? Yeah. Cause I, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a good atheist. Like I, I was that for a minute, but I don't function well. Like I don't know if it's just because I was raised with it, but I have, I need to believe in something. That's just me. Yeah. Um, oh, Katie's got so the info. It sounds like if you have it and you're not on treatment, if you have sex with someone, like they're most likely going to get it. Oh. If you're treated, it can make it where it's almost in like they can't. Even well, these kids it. weren't treated. Yeah. So it sounds like if you have it and you have unprotected sex with someone, you come and then like. Probably gonna get it. Well, it's, I'm not finding like a percentage, but that's just one example. Sounds like a don't, don't, uh, don't do that. Well, that's what the, the deal with destigmatization, though. Is it's like if you don't feel like getting tested is going to out you, you'll go get tested, and then you'll get treated, and then right, that's right, and then it doesn't. There's so spread. much shame around it, you know, especially homophobic shame. I know. I remember and, in Dallas Buyers Club where he is a straight man and he has it and he won't admit it because he thinks everybody will think he's gay. Right. Which is so stupid, which is like your toxic masculinity bit, which is awesome. Oh, thanks man. Love that bit. Thanks man. Yeah. That was uh, from a place of self realization. Yeah, no, it's right. Tell, tell, tell people the idea about it. I watched it on Corden and uh, it was applause the whole time. Yeah. I literally was. A, I don't. Oh it was a, that was a crazy. Stop applauding. It was crazy, man. Yeah, and it's funny because you go. It's out, a great set. You go out and you're so convinced you're about to bomb, you know, and you're just like, here we go. And yeah. then it went so much better than I even thought it was going to. I was yeah. like, this is fun. Yeah, no, it's an excellent set. Also, I having just, Reggie Watts right there is like so fun, you yeah, know, because yeah. you're nervous and you're like, oh, it's Reggie Watts, like the most fun person. Yeah, mushrooms became a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fully. Um, but they are applauding so much. I was like, oh, they don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, this audience has never seen stand-up before. And they're like, what do we do? 
Like, you can just laugh, you guys. <laughs> yeah, you can just enjoy this. Um, but you say toxic masculinity is basically... It's uh, internalized... Uh, yeah, I say it's just internalized homophobia in men. And I break it down to saying... as Basically, what toxic masculinity states is as a straight man, you should never do anything that might be perceived as gay. And things that might be perceived as gay include trying (laughs) just at anything at all. And that's really what it is. It's like, and that's at the core of the whole, when we were in high school, everyone trying to look like they just woke up. Yeah, that's right. It's like, I didn't put, I didn't, I didn't uh, comb my hair. What do you think I am? A gay guy? That's right. It's like Gary Goldman. (laughs) Did I press my shirt? Sprite was considered an effeminate beverage. Yes. Oh man. The Great Depression is so good. Sprite. But when he said that, I was like, that's the world I grew up in. Mm Mm-hmm. With you drinking Sprite, it's named after a fairy. He has the whole bit. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so good. But like men having to drink black coffee or whatever, what's wrong with a frappuccino? Take the filter out of that cigarette. You know, all that <laughs> unfiltered cigarettes yeah, and grit, whiskey. Grit. And I and I fell for all that shit big time. Yeah. You know, like in in college, I was so afraid of being called a pussy. But you know what it is? Is because I know that in my heart, I used to write poetry. Like yeah. I have a book of poetry at my mom's house, you know, my yeah. parents' house back home. Yeah. And it's I had like, a book of poetry and I went back and I was like, some of this is from Dead Poet Society. <laughs> like I was just lifting. <laughs> it had the line to touch you would be paradise. And I'm like, that was Ethan Hawke's poem. <laughs> Roses are red. Violets are blue. <laughs> oh, captain, my captain. I didn't write this. <laughs> W. Whitman? (laughs) (laughs) Old man in the sea. I was 10. (laughs) Leaves of autumn? I don't know. We got a riff. We're doing a poetry riff. Oh, how times have changed. Oh, man. Yeah. But. Oh, Toxic Mask. Yeah. Well, and it was real. And so, and Julie from that set, who I shout out, she's a very funny comic, by the way. Yeah, Julie, uh, Julie Mitchell. Uh, I think comics like to be shouted out by name. I find so. Yeah, um, edit that out. But she, I'd only lived with dudes, and we were living in in squalor, in misery, and we had all these ideas of how we'd make the house better. It never happened, and she moved in, and it literally was like her first day. She was kind of just like, yeah, but like, why don't we do something about this? Yeah, and then we all, it kind of like her, her being a woman allowed her to be excited about home decor yeah and so we were all like okay as long as it's your idea yeah and then that's where the joke kind of came from because i was like this is absurd and then truly in one day we transformed the place i had all these records we like hung them on the wall in a checkerboard fashion it just (laughs) added so much life to the whole place all of a sudden we liked being there yeah and and that was the thing the next day i woke up i was like this is so fucking ridiculous like i've literally been living like a hobo for a yeah. decade because i want to look like a marion it never stops val just redid our our bedroom yeah what are they called the go-to girls if you're in la the go-to girls they're so good they fucking killed it that's a cool name and now we sleep in our favorite room in the house before it was sort of under my control <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not not by we never talked about it, but there were just tons of books on the ground, like fifteen books. There was a hamper for no reason, like in a non not deliberate location. It was dreary. It was drab. And they went in and they fucking julied the fuck out of it. And now we hang out in there all the time. And I, and now we have like better dreams and we sleep better. And we're like space matters. I think when I lived with Matt McCarthy when I was. Um, recently divorced the only thing on our walls were guitar hero guitars that we 
drilled into the wall. Right, because it's funny. Because it's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, exactly. I was like, isn't it funny that these should be guitars, but they're guitar hero guitars? And then literally in the kitchen, one night when I was drunk, I nailed, like hammer and a nail, like a fat nail, like a house nail. Yeah. I just nailed a Ninja Turtles napkin into the wall <laughs> just to be like, there you go. There's some color. Yeah. That's what that's man. all we have, man. And our our fucking shower was so dirty you could have grown chia in it. My 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 apartment in college when I it was like uh famous on campus for how gross it was. Really? Yeah. And we were like <laughs> proud of it. One of my roommates got his hair cut in the kitchen and then never swept it up, so there was a pile of hair on the kitchen <laughs> floor for like months. And it's like and also that is next level. Yeah, and like no one thinks it's funny. Yeah, everyone's just like this place is gross, and we're like, Haha, yeah, right? <laughs> it's pretty gross, right? <laughs> cool, tell everyone. Oh my and god, it was terrible. Oh it was really god. bad. When I moved out, I remember the student housing people coming to like check us out, and the woman opened the door and <gasps> she like gasped. No, and I was like, so yeah, here's everything. Oh. Um, I mean, I... we had like punched holes in the wall, you know, because you're just like hormonal. Yeah. 19 year old boys and you drink whiskey for the first time and you're like <laughs> just start punching holes and things we used to punch each other repressed christians when i figured out what an irish car bomb was i thought it was so delicious oh yeah and i also love drinking things quickly and getting drunk quickly it goes back to our black and whitedness yeah so i bought all the ingredients to make them at home it's not the same the guinness an irish car bomb at home yeah we did them at home we did them at home, Kenny. <laughs> I bought That's really funny. the Guinness. I bought the Jameson and the Baileys. And we just did like seven of them. That would be... I'm just imagining walking in on somebody doing an Irish car bomb just while watching TV. And it's very funny. At least it was two of us. We only watch The Departed in this house. Uh, <laughs> we drink Irish car bombs. We, and we punch each other in the head. Well, that's what we did. We got so drunk, we went out back and we just started punching each other. <laughs> Not in anger, obviously. but And then I woke up the next day and hurt so badly, I had to get in a cold bath. Oh, God. And I called him and he was fine. He was he was good. He was uh, not pulling back as much as old Petey. <laughs> <laughs> so then he did the mushrooms. We were going in order. Oh yeah, yeah. That and that just felt like I felt so much better after that. And I'm also realizing now as an adult that I've always had like a depressiveness that I've had to deal with. I don't know that it's clinical. I've never been medicated with like mood stabilizers or anything, but I've always had these dark cloud moments and um, a really negative inner voice. And I remember after mushrooms the first time, like a week of sort of bliss. And, yeah. And I stopped drinking for 30 days after I did mushrooms the first time without really? trying. Yeah. I just you, had well, no you, desire. You kind of know right away, right? Like when you start tripping, you, there's, there, if you drink a lot, there will be a moment where you're like, oh, maybe that's not great. Yeah. It definitely grabbed uh, Bill W., the big book. He, he, they were looking into psychedelics and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. They were sort of into how they could help with alcoholism. But I once I felt the feeling of mushrooms, which, you know, to oversimplify, it felt like wonder and rapture and bliss and a lot of those depressing sort of negative feelings went away and a lot of that doubt went away and just sort of like a at-home feeling. I understand there's some people listening that are like, I don't understand a box of Tic Tacs turned into an alligator and it bit my you know wiener off. Yeah. So I understand it's not for everybody, but like I took a pretty low dose and I just had that like very gentle but sufficient trip. And then I was like, that's what I'm looking for. I was looking for like 
the elixir. I was looking for like the fountain of youth, something that you drink and you go like, we're on a planet, not just drink it and have a fake argument with your dad in the shower. Yeah. Like there's something so aggro and surly. Alcohol is at its core what it tastes like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that burn. It's harsh. It's burn. It's got, but I mean, there's something kind of t- t- titillating and scintillating about it too. So it's not, I'm not saying it's all bad, but it is what it tastes like. Yeah. And mushrooms are sort of what they taste like. They taste a little weird and a little shitty. Oh yeah. It's a, <laughs> I wrote this down last time, but I was like, there's such a metaphor it's for life in a way where it's like they literally grow in shit. So it's like, and life is truly picking through the shit to find something magical. Yeah. And that's literally what mushrooms is. Yeah. That's awesome. And you take them and then it's just like, I don't know. You just realize it just gives me hope, man. It makes me optimistic when I trip. When yeah. I usually, when I come out, I'm even no matter how weird things are. Like I tripped maybe three months after the election and that horrible negative we're doomed feeling was just blanketed over everything at least yeah. in my in my bubbles obviously like if you live in certain parts of the country you're probably like really because everyone around me seemed pumped right but i was living in brooklyn you know yeah. like yeah watching uh watching immigrants on the train just process what just happened right you know it was like a lot yeah but i remember tripping and just coming out like you know we're all connected and at somehow you know, when things get really bad, that's whenever it brings out the best in us. And yeah, that's you know, we've been we've been too comfortable, maybe. And Trump is a sign of that. And yeah, our culture is rotten, and he's really an amalgamation of all this Wait, really the, bad shit that we've allowed the, ourselves he's to the worship. Product of that, he's yeah, a product exactly, of it. It's, yeah. If you look at the '90s and the stuff that we put on a pedestal, it became Donald Trump, and that became our president. That's right. And the '80s for Reagan, and it's it's the same. Yeah, it's like he didn't drop out of nowhere. No, exactly. No, right. we created him. The last time I tripped, I think it was the last time. No, it was a couple times ago. <laughs> um, I remember I was looking at my window, and I, I had the very distinct feeling of a man. I think you're going to like this. Oh, good. Let's enjoy before you know it. Uh-huh. A man, like a little black stick figure man, you know, black ink, walking from my brain. It's hard to describe. From my brain towards the back of my eye, but from the inside. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I wasn't really seeing this. It was more like something that I could imagine, mm-hmm. but very vividly. Yeah. And he was cleaning my eye, but from the inside. Oh, wow. Like, if you think of your eyes as windows, you can clean the outside, but then you also have to clean it from the inside. Yeah. And it was this real, like, squeaky, Yeah. Was it maybe that, was that the third eye, maybe? Yeah. Basically, that's basically what it was. It was like... You can do as much as you want trying to affect yourself from the outside in, but eventually you're going to have to go for it. Are you still doing a lot of yoga? Is that still part of your... I wish, man. I can't do shit now. Yeah, you got the... I I don't mean to blame... You got a bambino. Lila, but like my life, my physicality is just that I walk her twice a day for about an hour. It's pretty good, actually. That is good. But it's always going to be with her. It's always going to be to give Val a break or she walks her a break. No, it changes everything. But what what do you got? Well, I was just asking because um, I will say I started doing, since I moved out here, uh, a lot of hot yoga, which I'd never really done a lot of. Oh, yeah. Wow. And uh, the last couple of times I've tripped, I found that the trip isn't as strong. And I'm wondering if it's because the yoga has me, you know, it's kind of like the old story where where Ram Dass gave the acid to the Indian guru guy and he ate it and with the Maharishi and he was just like, it's all inside you. What did you say? Maharaji. Maharaji Maharaji. is the Beatles. Oh yeah. Maharaji. You're all good. And, um, and he just goes, Oh, it's inside you. And then nothing happened to him. Right. Um, I'm I'm wondering if the first time that's happened. Yeah. (laughs) Someone told the story before I could tell it. (laughs) I loved it. Yes. I loved it. 
Got it. Yeah, it's all inside you. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's it. I wonder if it's, you know, to use woo-woo spiritual language, your, your, like, your inner, they call it your kundalini, but like your life force might be rising just in your everyday. It is. It definitely is. I feel more connected to myself now. That's good. I was I mean, like reflecting on all the weird phases I've gone through because that's a, on the way over here. You know, it's, you made it weird, and like I said, I've listened to the many episodes, and uh, so I know I know what uh, I know what it's about. So I was trying to get in a very uh, vulnerable and, and in touch with myself place, and uh, you know, I've gone through some pretty extreme phases. Yeah. you know, trying to find myself as a younger yeah, like what person, and uh, well, you know, there was the. Uh, in high school, there was like, uh, you know, the jock. So I was like that kid. And then all of a sudden I got very preppy for, I had like a diamond earring for a minute and <laughs> like I would wear like a silver chain and like a turtleneck with like slacks, like wild frosted tips, you know, I we're out here doing it full on. Yeah. And then, you know, I had like subwoofers in my car and rims and shit, like really silly, wow. really silly 16 year old boy stuff. Cause like fast and furious was out. Everyone was like putting like fenders and shit on their car. Can I? interject please because do. that seems very mushroomy to me these these different roles that we play so mm-hmm. ramdas's whole thing is from roles to souls like you realize that you've been the soul or the spirit or the consciousness that was watching all the different roles so there's this really absurd role that you played yeah you played like the preppy rims guy but there you were and here you still are yeah you know what i mean so spirituality is like what didn't change between that and this what was the constant and that's who you really are that's yeah. your true self and that's one of my theories i think that's why we love actors is because they can get lost in a role, yet they know that that's not who they really are. But we admire someone that can so deeply pretend, because we're all pretending, but they have to be conscious to go, and now I'll be a pirate. And next week I'll be a centurion. And then next week I'll be a lawyer. And that's what we're all doing in our lives. They're just doing it on command, at will. And I think there's something spiritual about that. There definitely is. That is a good point. I was thinking, I was watching Righteous Gemstones which is so good if you haven't seen it yet. I'm going to punch you in the fucking dick, dude. Oh, no, dude. No, no that's my uh, Danny McBride. Danny, I'm going to punch you in the fucking dick, dude. Um, but John Goodman is like that character, be able, to be able to play that, where it's like a con artist who probably knows he is, but maybe he has completely convinced himself he's not. Yeah. Like, that's a difficult that's right. p- place to put yourself. It's, that's right. You're playing a conflicted person. And in order to do that, you have to identify as this like neutral presence that's going to give your will to a character like we were talking about ddl and look at how in it he gets Mm -hmm. and we're like well he's the king Mm -hmm. and then when actors are like breaking or you know what i mean or like bad at it we're like these fucking fools like we're harder on it than we should be but if meryl streep can like really melt into something we're like She's. Why do we love that so much? I think it's because it helps us realize that we're all sort of lost, but they're so not lost that they can lose themselves at will, and then come back and for some reason decide to be crazy Johnny Depp. (laughs) Yeah, right. This is the one I choose in my off time. That's a weird choice, Johnny. Oh, so you're just Jack Sparrow in a vest? (laughs) Okay. I thought Jack Sparrow was an absurd Jack pirate Sparrow character. Jack Sparrow holding a direct TV remote. <laughs> put it down, Johnny. Put down, put down the rum, Johnny. Stop buying movies you own on DVD, Johnny. We're in the red. Oh, man. My buddy, going back to the toxic masculinity thing, my buddy and I were joking. What uh, if that's what someone thought TM was? Do you do TM? Oh, yeah, I do TM. <laughs> Wait, do they think it's what? They think it's 
toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm Every into day. TM big time. Every day, dude. All day. TM all day, dude. All day. For sure. You see dude. these Oakleys on the back of my head, dude? I'm doing it right now. That's toxic. <laughs> I find that toxic. Yeah, dude. I take steroids. <laughs> it goes back to you. Um, oh, we were joking about uh, my buddy, uh, another comic, we'll shout out, Mike Joyce, Edit that and out. I were talking about, yeah, get rid of his name. <laughs> Mike Racine. We, we were talking about um, uh, how uh, Hunter S. Thompson has blood on his hands. What do you mean? Because <laughs> every single, every there's like a generation of straight white dudes that were like, I'm going to be Hunter S. Thompson. And it's just like... He was the moniker for like, yeah, I'm going to do something. I'm going to drink whiskey from morning to night and write down my... Write down my scry, and like That's he's like right. the one person who can survive that lifestyle. <laughs> so right. Everybody else, you know, Johnny Depp's a huge Hunter S. Thompson fan, but he, you know, it's kind of hurt him at times. Dude, there's got to be a lot of people people that we never heard of mm-hmm. that were inspired by these maniacs. Yeah, right. Uh, I say that with love, for sure. Ernest Hemingway, you know, all those guys. Totally. Are just like you I, know. when Zach Galifianakis did this podcast, I think about it all the time. I smoked for one year, and that's like two, three. To seven cigarettes a week. Uh-huh. That's not a lot. Yeah. Some people wouldn't even call that smoking. Yeah. Still, seven a week. I when I laugh really hard, I cough. I don't got the ingredients. Yeah. I don't got the grit. Yeah. And Zach was talking about that. There are some people. I think they fight through it, and I think they just coat their lungs in something unnatural, and then they stick with it. But he was like, "There's just some people that have. They're more like tree-like or iron-bellied." And I am not one of those. Yeah, people. man. Yeah, I was a smoker. Another thing, like talk about being who you're not. I smoked for years, and I remember one time my dad was like, "Hey, hey, bud, you notice how you um, hack hack all through the night? Maybe those cigarettes aren't for you." Wow. And like, because like I would like wake up, you know, and it'd be, no. like, it'd be like five or six cigarettes the night before too. It's not like I was wow. down in a pack. My lungs yeah. are just like, no, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. When I was in uh, Jerusalem, <laughs> I was studying abroad. Jerusalem. I lived next to an old woman who smoked, and that should have been enough to even have me never smoke because I, I shouldn't have smoked for that year. Every night I listened to this woman while smoking, sounding like someone was cleaning a, a garbage. What disposal. is it about smoking? What is it? It's a lot of things. Is it just? It's like you know you're not supposed to. That's part of it. Well, that's. I think that's the main thing. Is you're giving the finger to death. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this expression, but when I was a single person, people would be like, if, they, if she smokes, she pokes. I guess you could say, if he smokes, he pokes. Yeah. It's because they have like a reckless abandon. Yeah. Like they don't care. So they're just like, yeah, we're all going to die. We're all in outer space. Smoke them if you got them. Fuck it if you see it. So there's sort of like a, uh, a James Dean, which is another person that I'm sure, you know, not by his doing, but has you know caused some people to live more rebelliously. Sure, than they to. yeah, but it's like a, it's romantic. It's like uh, it's, you're you're the tramp, you're the vagabond, yeah. you're the one that can't be nailed down. The Rolling Stone. You're also quiet. Being quiet is cool. I used to have a bit called "Being Quiet is Cool." Oh yeah, because if you're Denzel, you're like, "That's you, that's you, all right, all right, all right, that's nice, <laughs> that's you, all right, all right." <laughs> and so true. Uh, and then a nerd is like, "What's up, you guys?" And I was like, "It goes back to the jungle." The the cool guy doesn't give away your position. Mm. And that actually kind of goes into the, unfortunately, the inner city. You, you benefit from being a quiet person potentially as well, too, if, there, if there's violence happening yeah, around. Yeah, you kind of so just So you want to be a cool back. person. It's also true of the Midwest where you're around uh, livestock. I'm not saying everybody in the Midwest is. But if you are raised on a farm, you're probably like a cooler person. You're not like, what's up, Ch-? 
chickens. Like that is a fucking homeschooled dork yep. that hasn't been around animals yep. or violence or threats. That's the suburbs, baby. And a, a far- think of a farmer, though. Farmers are pretty can be cool. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... A DDL farmer. Dude, country folk are the These coolest. Oh, my chickens. That was another phase in college. I, what do you do? What I, do you I, I tried to. I tried to go... I, try, I really wanted to be like a cowboy, dude. Like a cool <laughs> country fun. motherfucker. You're fun. What I wanted to so bad. You, uh, you took the earring out. You took the chain off. You let the tips defrost. Yeah, I let those. I, I, I thought those tips. <laughs> you you know, them. I thought them out. Oh, the tips. And then I was like embarrassed of that. And so I was like, you know, I'm a white guy from Southern Missouri. I should probably just like be that and quit trying to be something else. And then ended up. And another thing that I'm not, <laughs> which is oh like, oh my god, like a you gritty, put one of those bags over your arm boy. and shoulder. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna go check this. Effort. I literally have no cow. Like my, I have the softest hands you've ever touched. But I was like, you gotta, you gotta work the land. It's been good to us. You gotta be good to it. But my my grandpa was a farmer, and my my dad works in uh, the you farming were industry. So desperate for identity. So desperate. So desperate. Is this before I basketball? dipped? I used to dip. You dip. I used to dip. When I dip, you dip. We dip. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah, baby. Skull. Wintergreen. Until it made me throw up and I switched to mint. Until that made me throw up and I switched to peach. Oh, no. Or apple. Which even in the manliest of manly things like dipping, I chose the peach and apple. (laughs) (laughs) I do skull. Parentheses, peach or apple. (laughs) That is nasty. It's the nastiest thing, man. I look back at that, and that's but what you're talking about. I I am still also the same person, which is also as as crazy as that sounds. I am the exact same person. Yeah. No, I. I mean, I've changed some. Obviously, I've evolved. But but you're the thing that was going. Is this right? Yeah. 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 I was very much like I don't think. I think I was just watching Neil deGrasse Tyson on uh, on Russell Brand's podcast, and I was enjoying it. And they were talking about whether or not things can be unknowable or not. And I was uh, I enjoyed it. I thought uh, they both did an amazing job. But I kept wanting to say, like, the only thing we should be talking about is that which does the knowing. Like that's that's the only conversation to be having. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson was doing an amazing job about how like things that we thought were unknowable in the past are now like very commonplace and like that is very likely for the future. And I was like, that is right on. But what will never change is the, is as Alan Watts would say, um, an eyeball can't look at itself. A knife can't cut itself. You know what I'm saying? And it's like a teeth can't bite themselves. So whatever it is that we know, no matter how grand in scope it gets, the knower will always be limited in its ability to know itself. Oh, wow. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was practically yelling. I, I just had to say that apparently because I was like not yelling it at the screen, but I was like trying to like telepathically send a message to Russell to say it to him, although it had already happened. Yeah. That somehow. So what I'm saying is while you're watching all these things change, the knower didn't change. The witness didn't change. Interesting. Yeah, that's absolutely valid. That's why you feel like the same. And what's really fucking trippy, dude, is when you're old, when you're 95, you won't feel old. Right. That's what's crazy. Yeah. My aunt said that to me one time and it stuck with me where she was like, yeah, I still feel 18. Why would you? Why would you? Yeah. In here. Yeah. Your body will have aches and pains and different issues and all that stuff. But that's my number one question for whenever I interview somebody over 80. I'm just like, do you feel older? And they're always like, no. Because what? what, I mean, maybe their ability to articulate ideas like that might deteriorate. So that, that gets a little tricky. 
But if your cognition is there, you'll, you'll be able to identify the part of you that does the identifying and be like, that still feels the same. That is really, that it's is wild. fucking trippy. Yeah, you know, it's like a pretty common phrase in spirituality, but you know, it's we're not humans having a spiritual experience. experience. We're spiritual beings having, having a human, human experience. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, right. And it's your packaging. Mm-hmm. And you were a farmer. And I was a farmer. I wanted it so bad. I wanted it so bad. Is that during basketball or after? Uh, a little bit of both. I I, I played two years in college as a as a at a little school and uh. I kind of like got into that there. I mean, and also one of the coolest guys I knew in college was like from the South. Super, he's my roommate. And then, you know, like you, you, Dude, uh, other people's shit rubs off on you. When my roommate. I lived with farmers basically, like, yes. like, like from that area. And so you kind of go with whatever you're around. You That's know what I mean? That's why I don't think our beliefs aren't shit. Even our opinions, as I get older, I'm like, who cares what I think? Mm-hmm. Who fucking cares what I think? I might think something different in 20 minutes because I'm hungry right now. Like, it's so fucking stupid. Yeah. And a great example of that is when I was in college, my roommate was a somewhat preppy guy from Rhode Island, and all of a sudden I was wearing shit that I never would have worn. Yep. Like, I would borrow his clothes. He had a vest. Talk about Johnny Depp. Never wore a vest in my life. I'm wearing, like, a puffy vest. Because that's what people from Providence wear. Yep. You wear a fucking puffy vest. Yeah. Dude, got a fucking puffy vest. You look like one third of the Michelin man. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. And I was just wearing that just like, I might as well have had a post-it note on me that said, is this who I am? Yeah. And yet, there I was. There was still something in there going. And I'm still going, is this who I am? Living in it, man. My buddy found a video from college, like he was just going on a party with a camcorder and he found this video and he got to a friend of mine and he had a dip in and was smoking two cigarettes at the same time. And it's just like, what are, what were we doing? Like, what is that? Like, logically, how, how do you get there? But in his mind, he was like, he's like, this is the coolest shit that's ever happened. And it's, it's insane. He had two cigarettes in his fingers and a, di- a fat dip in his lip, and he just looked at the camera and he gave it the cool, uh, the cool guy up nod. You know, he just he oh. up nodded the camera and then smoked the two cigarettes. And I was like, oh, he's not even kidding. Oh, and this is my friend. My. I was probably off camera doing the same thing. I feel like even Elvis Presley was like, that's a bit decadent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like a bit much. Tone it back, buddy. As he has a, a slice of nine stick butter pie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit much. <laughs> I love that Elvis watching nine TVs used to be our go-to example of like, can you imagine? And now we're all second screening every show. Oh, man. As we're streaming and checking the news. It's truly the same thing. We're going to kill ourselves. And also, so back to Toxic Mask slash Hunter S. I think there's an also an interesting... I was talking to my friend about... I was like, is this, is this a valid observation? And he was like, I think so. But there's something in manhood, and it's unspoken. But single men, it's like... It's like the playbook says self-destruct until you find somebody. It's almost like we're trying to out self-destruct each other, hoping that a potential partner will see that and, and be like, I'll save the them. I'll save them. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. And you want someone at the last second to go, uh, 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 come in here and have some pie. Yeah. I'll protect you from yeah. yourself. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. We're baby boys. Yeah. As soon as, and like I, I have friends that have been in relationships for a long time and like, live in like a nice house with a partner where they've built this thing together and it's a home and then they become single and immediately regress back to yes well i'm a single dude i guess it's whiskey with breakfast and it's like you don't yeah. have to 
Right. That's interesting because my first thought was so much, and this is not what we have to succumb to, but I'm thinking about Shane, uh, Shane Moss and some of the things he told me about male posturing and what it, it speaks to our genetics and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Is that testosterone is a poison. So having features that exhibit a high testosterone, like a square jaw or actually baldness or chest hair, these are, like think of Jason Statham. He's all three of those things. He's sort of got a balding head, but for some reason we love it, like Bruce Willis style, hairy chest, square jaw. These are very masculine men. That means high testosterone, but that means they're, there's poison in their blood, which indicates to women that they can survive. They have grit. They literally can still survive even though there's poison in their blood. Oh, like testosterone is literally poison. Testosterone and high levels will kill you. Oh, wow. So you're showing... I thought we were talking hypothetically. No, it's a real... Like, I mean, we're talking about preposterous levels. And again, I'm quoting Shane, so I hope I'm getting this right. But I'm pretty sure I am. And uh, so you're showing that you are a good mate, meaning you won't get sick and die, uh, you know, right after the baby is born or whatever is going on in our animal brains. So... What is smoking? We were talking about that. What is drinking? Those are both ways to visibly exhibit, even if you don't have high testosterone features, that you can ingest poison uh-huh. and not die. Yeah, you can endure. You can endure. Well, that's the other thing with our culture now is like, you know, masculinity was always tied to these things that are just so obsolete now. Yeah. You know, like no one needs Even me. like directions. Yeah. You don't know how to get to route one. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Yeah. In fact, we know it's backed up because it's red. <laughs> Rude one is red. We actually, yeah, and now we know a faster alternative. That's right. Yeah. And so there, it's just, we, I don't think, and that's part of what's happening right now, too, in our cultures. I think we don't know. No one's telling us what to do to be what our, what our job is now. And so we don't know. We have so That's much time to ponder, so much time to get lost in existential. Yep. What's my purpose? Because our lives are so convenient. You're, yeah. well, you don't have to be plugged into anything for most of the day. Yeah, that's and right. And you're fine. That's right. So you just get lost in your head and you go, what's my purpose? And you end up projecting. And when you're projecting, that's when you do dangerous shit. I completely agree. And we lose our, our identity. And you said purpose. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to tie that to every major tragedy kind of thing that's happening, but a lot of them. I well, think that's where tied. I was kind of leading to. Yeah. Because, you know, like, again, as somebody, like, I wrote all that toxic masculinity shit about myself. Like, that was strictly, that joke is about self realization. Yeah. And how many things I was doing just because it's what men do. And yeah. I wanted to be a man and I didn't want to be weak. Right. But now that I'm sort of embracing my soft side as well. I actually feel like more of a man. Yeah, and like that's now right. when I, I feel I feel more self assured. Well, that's what modern masculinity is. Modern masculinity, I think, is being strong enough to admit when you're weak or gentle. Yeah, or or small, small, not really small, but like not. You know, like dudes are dicks. They assert. They interrupt. They wreck things. Like Trump is such a dick. Like he puts huge dick buildings everywhere yeah i mean even pre-president i'm just saying like yeah that is a a phallic dick phallic fucking the earth trump links i was just somewhere where we passed a a trump golf course and it's just said in huge grass trump links i was like just put a photo of your dick just a big old truly uh and the pubes are the putting green well yeah yeah (laughs) Put, put my pubes and the flag is in the butthole? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It it's falls apart flag. somewhere, but... No, when you come out, you hear a... Ooh, and, it's, and it's Jenna Jameson and Howard Stern's like, beautiful, beautiful. That's great. That's great. 
<laughs> trying to think if I can do Harry Stern. So, no, I can't. As soon as I tried, I, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I was just, I, we might, I don't know if we're going to edit it because I'm so, like, I want to be respectful. And I, when he, when I watch his show, my Howard Stern impression is just like, "What did he do that? Why did he do that?" He's always he's and he's doing his job as like kind of like a provocateur. Yeah. But he's always putting it on them. Now, in other words, that's a, he lo- that, that's a big yeah. one. In other words, what he's saying is, but okay. if I did it to you, I'd be Kenny. Kenny Jim Norton said that you are a uh, a tall half comic. Why would he say that? <laughs> and I, I, no, why would he say that? What, what do you mean he's a half comic? You're a half comic, like a half a man. What does he say that? It's basically like that. Yeah, that is very... <laughs> but you know what? And now I'm hurt by a uh, thing Jim Norton didn't say. <laughs> he said you're like half a comma. Why would he say that? But I mean, like, you could easily make fun of me and be like, my impression of if I knew you were called half a comic, and then it's just a story of me telling a story about how when I was nine, I dressed up as a pirate and my dad didn't give me a ride to trick-or-treating. <laughs> like, we never get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just say something hurtful and then pivot. <laughs> what were we talking about? DMT. Oh yeah, we but were. also all your different identities. All my identities. And you tried to be a, a yeah, good old boy. Try to be a good old boy, and um, that didn't play either. Well, there was a time where I thought I might um, be working in uh, the farming industry too. Really? So I was like preparing myself for yeah. My grandfather uh, bought a business in the seventies, and my dad and uncle still run it, and. Um, you know, there's there was that path. You're in college. You're like, uh, and I, I knew I wanted to be a comedian, but then there's also like, who Who's thinks, gonna who, who thinks that's plausible? <laughs> who even thinks that's a plausible? Like, I remember when I heard about Second City. I was like, wait, what? There's a school? Yeah. I was like, George Wentz went to school for Cheers. Yeah. What? There's Cheers school. There's Cheers school. He minored in bar stool technique. <laughs> you're telling me John Belushi went to school for Animal House? Truly? Okay. Cool. And so I didn't know that that was a thing you could do. And then so, but in college I started doing open mics and, and I was like, oh, I think this is what I want. Right. And then we, we look down and you are holding a carrot. Well, he is a farmer. He is, yeah, right. Yeah. I do stand up, but my microphones are all produce. Locally sourced. <laughs> I'm actually just, I'm actually just an unhinged an unhinged person yeah. living in a fantasy of my own creation. I'm an unsafe I just walk around person. with an eggplant and do stand-up. <laughs> you can see me on Hollywood Boulevard next to the Spider-Man. Hey, I talk into an eggplant. There's already a guy that does it. <laughs> we have a feud. You stole my essence. You stole my essence. He's only using a squash because it looks like an eggplant. So when you were... <laughs> you were... Dabbling in farming, the dabbling in farming. But did your first? Where did you do your first open mic, and wha- how did that happen? Man, so I, I mean, and it's funny too. It's one of those things where comedy is such a weird profession that most people go, "What, really?" But if you look back at my life, it it makes so much sense. Yeah, like I started so young, and you know, in college I emceed our or in college, sorry, in high school, like I emceed our assemblies my senior year. Like I was that yeah. guy, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I would write sketches for the assembly and I would do the funny videos and all that stuff. Right. And, um, no, I look back on that too. They were like, will you DJ our wedding? Like if you've been asked to DJ five weddings before you're out of college fully, you yes. might be a stand up comedian. If you've been asked to give a speech at your grandparents anniversary party, you might be a stand-up If comedian. you're not a minister and people keep asking you to officiate your wedding, 
You've obviously been sleeping. <laughs> if your dentist asks you to do the outgoing message of their fur, you might be a stand up. <laughs> that was him killing himself. <laughs> oh, he killed one. himself? He's definitely a stand up comedian. Okay. Um. Oh, very good. That was a yes and. That was a dark yes and. A dark yes and. Where he wrote uh, it in the darkest of inks. Oh. So you you went up after you were doing your sketches in high school. Oh yeah, and so you know, and then I, I just had several friends that just that were very supportive of the idea from the beginning, and even yeah. before I was open about that's what I wanted, I had friends be like, "You should do stand up, just the way you think about the world. It's yeah. just interesting." And I don't know that I you say things sometimes that it feels like a different take or whatever. That's and I had already been writing jokes in a little book and next to the poetry, next to the poetry, yeah. <laughs> Right, that was uh, a. <laughs> it's like bipolarness in like a in a visual in a form. Book. Yeah, in a in a book form. Yes, it's like really sweet poetry, and then just like dark, horrible. Why is one of my balls bigger than the other? <laughs> it's like I got one grapefruit and one grape. Then next to that, it's like her name is Penelope. Her name is Penelope. Next to my balls, one of my balls is bigger than the one other. One of them, you grape. One of them, you motherfucking grapefruit. <laughs> um. You were saying your first time doing stand-up. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I, I had these these books of uh, jokes I'd been writing down, and I just was always, I'd always, uh, I even, you know what? Did you remember the website Gig Salad back in the day? I think Steve Hofstetter started it, but it was like comics. Gig Salad? Comics would like, no, maybe Gig Salad wasn't Hofstetter. A comedy soapbox? Yeah, that was comedy. That, that, was, that was Steve Hofstetter. So it's and funny. And Danny McDermott? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I'm in Springfield, Missouri. There's no comedy club there at the time. And but I just wanted to do comedy so bad I would like type stand up comedy into the internet and whatever came up. Yep. So you could make a profile on comedy soapbox. Yeah, of course. So I made one before I'd even done stand up. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's yeah. kinda like how you get business cards before you do your first open mic. Credits. This yeah. website. This website. <laughs> Um, a real desire. When you click on the credits, it just redirects you to the site you're already on. It's like credits, and then it's like you just put your GPA here. <laughs> um, <laughs> giggles per attitude. Okay. <laughs> giggles per class. <laughs> um, but I so I had a profile on there, and so someone in our college weirdly it was like a business class. They you're supposed to make a fake business and make a. a Business plan. Mm -hmm. So this one group decided to make a comedy club as their thing. And weirdly enough, they had to come up with sample acts. And they found my profile on Comedy Soapbox. Oh, my God. So I got outed as a wannabe comedian. And so then it was... And then people on campus knew. So then it was like... You know, I would be asked to do a couple like fraternity parties, whatever, that sort of thing. But my first ever mic was because we were at a bar. I'm drunk. Two of my friends come over and go, hey, you got to meet this guy. He's a comic, and he lives in town. And I go, what the hell? And he was literally, the, I think at the time, the only guy doing stand-up in Springfield. And they introduced us, and him and I, of course, are standing at the bar drunk, doing jokes back and forth to each other, like the most obnoxious possible oh version of what we are. <laughs> and then he told me, he's like, they have a mic at this place called the Outland in Springfield. After, after five jokes, he went... You're all right. You got it. You got the goods, kid. <laughs> I want to see that scene. Oh, I wish I could go back. Why and is watch it called it. Zest Body Clean? <laughs> Whatever you're doing. He's like, I got a soap bit. He's a soap bit. <laughs> you trading fours. If it was a real Irish spring, you'd probably smell like whiskey. <laughs> oh, really? Ivory? What is this soap for white people? Hey! Where's Ebony? 
that is an SNL sketch waiting to happen. Yeah. Keenan doing a, a commercial oh, for, for Ebony. Yeah. Oh, Ebony. Yeah. That, oh, there's wow. There's Ivory Soap and now there's Ebony Soap from oh. the makers of Ivory. Comes it's Ebony. basically because they did White Noise Machine, Black Noise Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's an endless well. Yeah, you can always take white people do this, black people do this. It's like goes back to like Shakespeare and a bit with a dog. We love a dog. Like I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was like, we still love a good bit with a dog. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. That was a good movie. That's actually what I've been flapping my gums a little bit about how I don't, didn't like the Joker. What bothers me more, it's not so much that I didn't like the Joker as much as like, why aren't we talking about how good Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is? Everyone's like, Joker time. Get the Oscar ready, Joker time. And I'm like, this guy fucking killed it. Yeah. He made a, an incredible, incredible, I saw it again. It's like an incredibly perfect movie. Yeah, I want to go back and watch it again. But it's- is it in the DC universe? Where's Thanos? I like this Brad Pitt guy. Is he from Thelma Lewis? <laughs> That's a two-hour call back. Is this Joker's manager? <laughs> Hi, it's Joker manager. You need a guy on talk show shoot you in the face. Hello? Well, the, the thing about Joker that I thought was ridiculous is what late-night talk show is going to show a video of an open-mic comedian bombing and then roast well, him? Well, Kenny... <laughs> You realize that the the whole this is the whole thing, and I don't I don't even think you can ruin this movie. You're either gonna like it or you're not. So skip ahead if you don't want to hear my client's movie be ruined. But it's it's a it's an unreliable narrator. That's the whole thing is you don't know what happened. Yeah. So you know sometimes I forget like Natasha Leggero has a joke about like I don't want to buy a color pencil a color pencil sketch of the madness in your mind like a homeless person selling. That's what the Joker is to me. He's like, and then I was on a late night show. Oh yeah, and then they booked me because they were mean, and then the social worker told me I was a piece of shit, and then Thomas Wayne punched me in a bathroom because that's how people act. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I went on a late night show, but I got the last laugh and I escaped in a cop car. And now it's like, why are we listening to the guy? Why is he telling the story? Yeah. Uh, that is. I don't want the crazy guy telling the story. I want the people that are in the room going like, "Is this guy okay? Can they have a scene in the movie?" Everybody's just there to be like, "Are you crazy yet?" <laughs> hey, stupid! You crazy yet? I just want a sandwich. Sandwiches are for stupids. You want a knife? Why would I want a knife? Take the knife. <laughs> That's the Joker. <laughs> It That's really the is. movie, The Joker. It really is. But I just want to have a good time with my mom. Give me a bath and wash my titties. But I just want to be a good boy. I fucked your dad. <laughs> I'm just like, are you crazy yet? Are you crazy? When Joker. he goes crazy, why wouldn't he go crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much. So much. It was nice to see uh, Frances Conroy, though. Who dad? The mom. Oh, the mom. She From was, Six she Feet was, Under. She was good. Yeah. I thought she was good. She's so good in Six Feet Under, which I'm actually currently watching for the first time. I've never seen it. It's really good. People tell me I should see it. It's terrific. People tell there's, me. There's, I don't know if you know this. There's a lot of TV out there to be watched. What, do I work for this thing? That's how I always feel about TV. Mm-hmm. like, have you seen Fleabag? I'm like, what, do I work for this fucking thing? I did see Fleabag. It was good. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Sounds good. good. It's about a bag of fleas that becomes animate, kind of men in black first one style. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have not slept at all. Oh, I don't blame you. No, this is great. That's right up my alley. So, what am I? A bag of fleas? Then the bag of fleas. What it does is right. It gets animate. It's in a bag and it becomes a woman. 
Now, what's a flea bag? Is that uh, where the uh, bass player for the Red Hot Chili Pepper stores his guitar? Huh? Believe me, I've seen flea bag, and uh, it's flea's bag, and it's uh, it's a Red Hot Chili Pepper of a top. What's his name? What's the guy's name? Anthony. Oh, Ketis. Ketis tries stand up. Flea bag. Believe me, I woke up to series one on my forehead. Don't fall asleep on the doorbars. Under the bridge. Under the balls downtown. It's where I felt the bag under the ball. <laughs> we cut to the audience. Everyone's leaving. <laughs> Maybe I'm funnier when I haven't slept for two days. Uh, so we're we're circling in on your first time doing stand up. You had the joke off, which is a very funny scene. The joke off, yeah. I need that. I need that writ large. Oh god, yeah. If show. I could, I wish we had that thing from Black Mirror where I could just play back for you. My oh my god, what, what I saw. That's that what day. you would watch while you're having sex. Yeah, you know how they're always like watching other things while they're having sex. You're just watching Ivory. Where's Ebony soap? <laughs> And then and then and then confidently going, I should do this for a living. <laughs> so um, he, he said, "Where? Oh the yeah, mic so he told me where to go. Is a music mic, like a mix mic, is music mic, and I followed a one man band. Okay, um, something like the something King. He was a blues one man band, and it was literally him, another musician, and then four of my friends that had come to watch. And then I went up, no laughs, and then the last joke, I." improvised a uh, punchline on the spot that got a laugh. Okay. And it was like one laugh in five in four minutes. Okay. Not and bad. Not, two, not, not zero. Not zero. Not zero. Do you remember the line? Yeah. It was um, something about like, uh, like something about how you got to use condoms, you know, because uh, you got you to gotta talk for sex. You got to know. And this girl asked me, uh, do you have any STDs? And, I asked her. I asked her, "Do you have any STDs?" And she was like, "You mean right now?" Which, for some reason, I thought that was the that joke. Is, that is really funny. She's like, "You mean like right now?" You mean and right then, now? and then the line I improvised. No, which was, ones have you cleared up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about. I a- want the full palette. <laughs> Tell no, me your I'm history. Serious. Yeah. Tell me, did you ever have a cold sore when you were twelve? Give me the whole skinny. Nah. Did your hard party and auntie kiss you on the mouth when you were twelve, <laughs> and now you have a blister? <laughs> Tell me about it. Um. <laughs> so, but I said so. It was you like so. Right she goes. Now. She goes. You mean right now? And in the line I improvised was I go. Yes, right now. I know what you're gonna have tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's, which is creepy yeah. and bad. I prefer the one that you thought was the. Yeah, I was, can hear the second line being the thing that would get an open mic crowd to laugh. You yeah, know? yeah, it's exactly. That was for the la- the back of the room. But I think you could do. You mean right now? Tonight, and I think that's funny. Yeah, yeah. That is a funny response. You mean to, right now? To have STDs. Yeah. And I don't even remember if that was based on a real experience or if I just thought that was a funny response to that question. I yeah, it's super funny. I, mean, I was in college. It's like the only thing you know to talk about is sex and party. You don't have any other yeah. thing to pull from. Yeah, that was me when I was 29. But Because uh, <laughs> that's when all the sex happened. That's when you finally started. I finally started doing it. I started having sex. The birds do it. Bees do it. <laughs> I used to listen to that song to get myself ready. Even sophisticated fleas do it. Oh God, that'd be! I'm just picturing you like bringing someone back to your place and walking in the apartment and just turning on a record, and that's the song. Bears do it. I was like, "You ready to go to the bedroom?" Bees do it. Ha cha cha cha. Even sophisticated fleas do it. Hey, can I get you a glass of wine or anything? Birds do it. Let's do it. (laughs) 
That was a joke back then. It's all like they do it. Let's do it. Let's fall in love. Like so it's like you think it's a dirty song, but then it's like I meant fall in love. What'd you think I meant? I hate music humor. Oh man. I hate when it's like, I like the look of ya. Look at the shape of them. They're so round. Look at her eyes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Get the fuck out oh, of my face. Oh, I know. Festival. We call it bare naked ladies humor. Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I God. like bare naked ladies. Yeah. Yeah, it's brown. <laughs> it's brown. <laughs> is that maybe the most famous beginning to a song ever? Somebody. Oh, they were all in the same era. Yeah. It's been somebody. <laughs> if that's if they met at a bar. Hey, I heard you're a musician. It's been somebody once told me. What is another song? Happy. Yeah, okay. There's one. Um two you get two notes, but you have to put a song in someone's head. Uh it's dead. Pour some. That's not the first Pour some. <laughs> I, I don't know. Pour some. Wait. Can I repeat a note? Yeah. Da, na, na, na. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's four notes. Yeah, that's but four. It's two, but that's yeah, two notes. Yeah. Two notes for s- syllables. I don't know music. Yeah. Music doesn't have syllables. We'll think of others. People are screaming at their, I think it's on the radio, at their radios. Mm-hmm. Do you know one, Katie? There's got to be another one. Katie's been watching my baby, too. Mm. It's a you're tired joke. Barely made sense. What I'm saying is you're tired because you've been watching the baby. I have to go. Say keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> say, say keep it crispy. She's my. Oh, that's good. I knew exactly what that was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> damn, now I'm back. I'm back hooked. Uh, she sits alone. Oh, she sits alone by a, a, a. She sits alone by a mailbox. She sits alone by a lamppost. Jeremy Spur. Oh, <laughs> there's we, one. We don't have like a. It has to be like iconic. Yeah. I think only Happy Birthday, Smash Mouth, and Bare Naked Ladies are iconic. Are iconic. <laughs> Those are the only three iconic songs we have in the American, that's the rich it. history of American that's music. That's it. That's it. Oh, my God. So you did the mic, and you did the joke. I did the mic. I did the but joke. But then you had the bug. I had the bug, and I was I was stuck, man, and I loved it. And uh, I also had a friend who was uh, starting to get into music in college, and I... I was like really pushing him hard to do it. And then at some point I was like, oh, wait, I think I'm doing this because I want to be on stage and I'm too afraid to do it. So I'm pushing him to be up there. Uh, like the I'm like living vicariously. Totally. And Get in there. So then finally I started. And when you hit the home run, look at my ex-wife. <laughs> look her dead in the eye and say, could you do that, baby? You missed this. Then grab your little cup. And show those tight buttons as you run by. This is like a different type of bad sports dad. Instead of pushing his son too hard to be good at sports, he's just trying to get him to hurt his mother. <laughs> you look that bitch right in the eye and you tell her, maybe I could have hit the ball harder if a certain mother was around to give me breast milk. You tell her that right to her face. Everybody knows that the formula don't make a stronger boy. <laughs> I don't know if people could tell, but I was laughing that whole time. 
I haven't had a good hearty har har in a while. <laughs> you look her right in that fucking eye. And you say, that was too many microwaves. mama. Oh, we should do a podcast called Sleep Deprivation. <laughs> where you just don't sleep and then you only have silly billies. <laughs> You hit it up all and you say, maybe we could have afforded an aluminum bat if mama worked too. <laughs> <laughs> um. And every time you miss that catch, you look and say, mama, maybe if you weren't so drunk when you were throwing me the ball, it would have come close enough for me to practice catching the ball. I don't want to say you were a drunk growing up, but you breastfed me. Kalu- <laughs> <laughs> She's breastfeeding the coffee liqueur with cream. Why doesn't Kahlua go bad? It's just sitting there on the shelf. It's got fucking cream in it. Oh, that's a good question. The alcohol, maybe? Yeah, that's what we always say. The alcohol <laughs> saves us. I ask every guest this question. <laughs> Why doesn't Kahlua go bad? <laughs> As you're just drinking five-year-old Kahlua. <laughs> um... We're closing in on DMT. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we're getting there. One fine day. Uh, you did it. I did it. Your friend was getting into sports. Oh, oh my, my buddy was getting thing. into uh, music. Yeah, and then I, I did stand up. And, oh, uh, you were pushing him to do music. Yeah. And then um, after college, my cousin and I uh, went backpacking through Europe because we're white people. And uh, <laughs> I always say my joke is it's birthright for Gentiles. Hilarious. We backpack you up. You're climbing up a mountain to get to the white part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need to get to where the white is. Yeah, Springfield, Missouri is not white enough for me. I need to go to Ireland. <laughs> Too much diversity. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be the least redheaded person in this country. Take me to the A in the white alphabet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of being in the Ds. <laughs> so you went uh, backpacking? We went backpacking and I... Um, no stand up there. No stand-up, but I, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I graduated, and uh, my degree is in economics and finance. And uh, again, hilarious to think about me as a wealth manager. <laughs> but that was, I think, where I was headed. Have and then, you considered putting your records in a checkerboard fashion? Really give some life to the place. So here's what I'm suggesting. We're going to lose our house. We're going to take your cash. We're going to bury it in the wall. You're going to cover it with records. And it's going to appreciate. That does not mean it's going to grow in value. It just means you're going to appreciate that it's there. <laughs> Somebody has to have said that at some point. Some crooked guy is going to. It's not going to appreciate in value, but you're going to appreciate it. There. Nice to meet you. My name is Sal. <laughs> it's great to meet you, fat hand gold nice, rings. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Tan. He's blowing cigars, smoking your baby's face. <laughs> I don't think it'll appreciate, but you'll appreciate it. And then he has a heart attack. That's my little joke. Ah! <laughs> that is somebody's last words. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to try to make it mine. Oh, man. So, yeah, that was the path, I thought. And then, um, you know, I graduated in 08, and that was right when, like, Goldman Sachs closed and all that. And uh-huh. so it was, like, an extra little incentive where it's like, well, because I was always worried about, like, I don't know. I always wanted to like do what everyone wanted me to do. Like I want so badly in my heart to be a Republican. Like I just wish I could. Yes, you know. know And I and I want to be. I want. I want to want it. I want to want it further. That if I lived, like, here's a thought experiment. It's L.A. It's everyone you know lives here, but all the celebrities are Republicans. Just flip everything. Yeah, I do this all the time. Would you flip? Probably. Probably. You know what I mean. 
you you lose you lose this one, but you gain this one. You can be righteous about this one, and you give up that one. You just kind of—I'm not saying like I don't yeah. fundamentally believe in the the causes of liberal Democrats or whatever, but I can see a world where it's like, what are you crazy? You don't yeah. you're not pro well, and dude, like, you know, that smaller town folk. It makes sense. It's like you don't see your government money at work when you live in the country, and you don't see it. You just comes, don't see it. You don't see your tax dollars doing anything. For it was you. like in Chappelle's special where he's like, when you live in the woods, you get a shotgun. Like everybody has a shotgun, and everybody then that leads to wanting other guns or whatever, because in the city. I've, I've, I, I'm just not this kind of comedian, in, or I do it on stage, but I also don't think it's that funny. In the city, we do have guns. We all like, we're like, I don't have guns. I do have guns. I keep them at the police station. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Truly, yeah. And I dial three numbers. Who has time for seven numbers? I dial three because I need those guns here now, and I hire this, this underpaid person to shoot someone for me. Yeah, totally. We're all pro-gun. Yeah. We're all pro-gun. Yeah. We're all pro-gun when there's a gun near That's us. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Fully. I'm pro gun. I just don't shoot it. There, some people are just shooting their own guns. Fully. Yeah, it's true. And so you know, th- there's always a part of me that that gets that, and and obviously, like, I I think um, having an inherent distrust of the government is not an uh, inherently silly thing to do either. I don't think we yeah. should all be like, they'll handle it for us. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. also not a great mindset. That's right. Um, that's where the Republicans win. Or they get it. That, that's their, for me, that's their, their best selling point is they're like, I remember being very dear friends with a, a very, very, very adamant Republican in college. And he was like, I just like less government. And I was like, that's such a great selling point. He's yeah. Like, I just don't want them interfering. And because we were religious, he was like, I think charity and helping is wonderful, but I think that's the job of the church, is what he would say. Oh, yeah. He didn't think the government is supposed to be doing that with their money. And I was like, this guy's making a lot of sense. Yeah. But then, I don't know. I think, well, the flip side of that is you're going to have overlords. Do you want them to be government overlords where you technically have a say? Yeah. Or do you want them to be corporate overlords where you have to buy stock to have a say? Wow. And Kenny DF. How about that? Down 2F. So that's what I think about. And that's why. And also, like, because then, then at least with the government, your money is what they call democratized, where you can at least vote on what to do with it. And then. That's interesting. I haven't seen a ballot at McDonald's. I haven't seen one either. Hey, you know what I'd like you to do with the profits? How about a shampoo that doesn't tingle so much? Sells in blood. Oh, he was a comedian again. Oh, we thought he was a different guy, but he's not. He's a different guy, but it's me. It was me, the Joker's manager, and also kind of the same voice as the guy that says, Hey, this yogurt here is uh, Parfait the Course. <laughs> Since I've been doing yogurt, my trips have been less intense. It's me, Kenny DeForest, <laughs> but in a different voice, saying different things, but kind of similar. I think doing all that yogurt is waking up my Kundalini. Hot yogurt. It's going to be a little too runny at that point. Honey, you don't want hot yogurt. You Don't order the Bikram yogurt. Trust me on that one. <laughs> Cut to black gurgle sound, like fart gurgle sound. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> Credits of our first movie. Uh, we wrote it and sold it. I needed this. I needed some This is our time. Joker movie. What's and, then we, and then we wrote the yogurt movie and <laughs> sold it for $12 billion. Are you fermented yet? <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck about you, milk. Are you yogurt yet? When you bring me up, would you bring me up as the yoker? The yoker. <laughs> the yoker. No. 
No, no, I will. I will. I certainly will. The Joker. The Joker. Joker. <laughs> Joker. <laughs> Would you bring me up as Joker? God, that's funny. He kind of says it's sweet. He is the Joker. Would you bring me up as Joker? <laughs> oh, that's not a bad Joaquin. All right, we're there. DMT. You know, we made it. <laughs> you smoked it. I smoked it. It what, changed. But me. you did mushrooms first, and then you jumped right to DMT. No, I had done mushrooms a couple times, and then uh, I had a very profound mushroom trip. Tell me that at uh, Bonnaroo. Ooh, that that's changed. where I was. Really? When man, you had yours? Our stories are they too? <laughs> They're similar, man. I no, I've thought I've 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 thought that many times. They're incredibly similar. Yeah. There's a chapter in my book. Well, it's called Mushrooms, but it's about Bonnaroo. Wow. And it's about the we had the, a trip in the same place. And that was where I was like, maybe God was one of us. Chase this dream. You were just tripping during Cheryl Crow at Bonnaroo. I believe that's someone else. Is, is Cheryl Crow didn't sing God is one no, of us? No, it's someone else. Oh, I'm embarrassed. It's okay. If, Don't it, be. if it was Michelle Branch, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> it wasn't. It was somebody at a nose ring. Oh fuck! If God had fair. name, um, so you took mushrooms at Bonner. Tell me everything. Yeah, we. Joan, Joan Osborne. I'm sorry, Joan. That was disrespectful. Joan, uh, Cheryl Crow is from Missouri, or at least she went to college there. So oh, shout out was. Cheryl. Shout out to Cheryl. Um, no, we took it, ate the mushrooms, man, and and uh, you know I've always carried. You were doing comedy there. Uh, no, I was just down the visit. I was with two comedians though. Um, but we just went to go because I'd never been to a big festival before yeah and I was having that like this is the time of my life where I can do this what year was 20s, it 2012 because what if it was 2009 that's was that when you were there yeah. doing it yeah yeah man we were so like we ate these mushrooms and we were walking and I, could, I looked at the group I was with and I could see in their eyes there was fear like I could tell everybody because I they were hitting me hard and I turned and my buddies all looked scared and I was like let's <laughs> sit down right here because we were looking for a specific oh, band, you, but you it was should get a badge for that. <laughs> the person on mushrooms that goes, everybody fucking cool it. Oh, that like, and, that is a hero. But yeah, fully. that is the Jesus of the mushroom trip. Yeah, that like, is. Thank God, Grace has sent us someone that Shit. said we don't have to go to the band. We don't have to. I was on a hike once, and we were all <sighs> kicking in the mushrooms, and I was like, let's just sit down. Like the heaving and the hiking, I was like, who's? It wasn't my idea to move. Yeah. Kurt Braunohler. Oh, that's classic Kurt. Classic Kurt with the gate oh, of a gazelle. Always got to be jet skiing down the Mississippi River. Never Can't just sit down. down. Kurt. Kurt. And trip your nards off. Your flea bag off. Okay. <laughs> trip your flea bag off. Oh, man, that's fun. I'm tripping my flea bag off over here, Phoebe. So you got scared. I, got I love this story. Please got milk, scared, milk sat it. down, and... Uh, and we're just watching this band we'd never heard of, and and so the thought that came over me, yeah, yeah, our, it was a, a blue day. Uh, we sat down, and it was just this like reggae band from North Asheville, North Carolina. I don't remember what they were called, but I remember they're saying we're from Asheville, North Carolina, and they were incredible. And so I had this thought where I was like, I was watching this guy play a guitar solo, 
And I was just like, there's no way he's doing that consciously. His fingers are moving. I was like, something's right. flowing through him. That's right. And then I was like, oh, the same thing is flowing through him that's flowing through Flea. Because I actually read Hot Chili Peppers was there that year. Shut the And I was like, up. and it's the same thing that's flowing through Questlove when he drums because the roots were there. And I was thinking about all the big acts. And I was like, it's the same energy that's compelling this guy. And they're just channeling. They're not doing. They're channeling. Yeah, they're getting out of the way. They're allowing. They're getting out of the way and letting this thing to take control. And that's why the, everyone at this park is in such like a good a mood. Mi- a microwave is something that is built so that everything that would be in the way of it being a microwave is removed. And only the parts that want to be a microwave remain. Interesting. Let's smoke weed on that idea. Yeah. <laughs> because a microwave, listen up, is just the parts. <laughs> We are now watching a scene from when we were in college. <laughs> this is we're we're living it now. I don't need to talk weed. I just need to get up with Leela again at eleven, and then again at three, and then again at five, and that's what time is it now? Two thirty. That's my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> a microwave is just the parts that will everything's out of the yield way. to being to microwaving food. That's interesting, and it's There's very true. No part of it. That is that like if there was that would be removed. Yeah, and if there was, it would not work. And if there wasn't, if there was one less part, it's just the essential part. Yeah, if there was just like a magnet in the microwave and all it did was tell the microwave that it wasn't good enough to microwave. That's right. Then nothing else matters. And that's what humans are. Humans have too many things telling them not to be a microwave. Way too many, man. Man. And I was dealing with that shit. Like I, I have a guilty conscience problem that I've been. I'm, I'm better now, but it's still there. But especially at that age, I always had this this feeling in the back of my head that I was disappointing everybody, mm. even though verbally everybody was like, "We support you," and and I th- and we think it's cool what you're doing, and go do it and yeah. go live. My parents never once were like, "Comedy, huh?" They're, the whole time they were like, "Hey, do it, chase it, get it." That's great. But I, but I, I always in my head was like, "Yeah, but they're just saying that." Wow, silly shit, you know. That's probably why you're funny, though. Not, not, not that everything needs to be spun. There's probably a good side to that. No, that's true. It's but there's true. also a bad side to it. Let's get rid of it. Yeah. For now sure. that it's served you, let's drop it here, Kenny. You're yeah. 33. Leave now. it right here with the rest of, with the microwave. Magnet. Leave it with that thing that would make you a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, I could be a microwave if you took this glass thing on your face. If you took these <laughs> buttons on your belly, you'd be a microwave. Uh, this old timey singer, the birds and the beast guy, I like him. You could be a microwave with the right pots. You plus pots equals microwave technology. <laughs> Just the- don't heat the yogurt. <laughs> Bikram yogurt. Bikram yogurt. Bikram yogurt. It's you have to you have to hold the spoon for a very long time in one position. <laughs> it doesn't get thickrum. Uh, two C's. Thickrum. Thickrum <laughs> yogurt. Uh, I've, wondered, I've wondered what it would be like if I smoked pot on this podcast. This is exactly what I'm like when I smoke. I'm glad I bring that energy. You do. Yeah. This is a treat for me. I feel like I have like stress in my body, and you're like ministering to me. Sponge it, baby, and, and letting me be silly, and it's valuable. Valuable. Silliness is where it's at, man. Oh, being funny is so overrated. Being silly is the shit. Mm-hmm. I hope you have that with your lady because that. Oh, big time. I've had girlfriends that I had to be funny for where I'm like, ah, oh, they put the napkin on the plate as if I wasn't going to find it by the plate. <laughs> you know, like some fucking, I have to do bits. Yeah. But if I can just put that napkin on my head and go, chips ahoy, bitch. Like that. <laughs> that's, that's a good bit. 
It's nothing. It's just being playful. But I love it. Yeah, no, and I'm 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 a silly idiot with my lady. It's yeah. the best. Yeah, it's and, all um, you want. That those are relation hashtag relationship goals. Someone you can be silly with. Yeah, fully. And silly is so easy. It's, it is, and it is so pure. Yes, there's nothing in my brain that goes, let's stop being silly, except right. the need for sleep. But yeah. I would like to be funny less if I could, because that means I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm being clever. Mm-hmm. I'm comparing. I'm contrasting. Mm-hmm. I'm constructing. It's all this work. Mm-hmm. But being silly is just like, have you ever smelled your own? Well, and I've been trying to get rid of the desire to be cool, That's which it. is a big problem. And when I was younger, it was worse. Yeah. And uh, can you imagine the kid with the diamond earring wanted to be cool? <laughs> uh but it that that's ego, and that prevents you from being silly because yeah, right. it's vulnerable to be silly. Yes. It's cool to lean on the mic and be like, you know, we're all dying in a godless universe, don't you? Right. Like that's cool. Everyone you likes just nihilism. Meat on a chicken bone, waiting to be devoured by this tiny, like eel-like creature. So why don't you just embrace it? <laughs> Do drugs and fuck me, the guy who's a nihilist. <laughs> Take off my leather pants and release the Kraken. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what I think a cool guy would say. I only wear fingerless gloves so I can touch the bullshit <laughs> and feel it. Oh also, so I can call an Uber. <laughs> you can't call an Uber with middies on. His denialist is still, <laughs> is still practical. Well, listen, just because I'm not afraid of death means that we need to be drunk driving. I still take Ubers after three or four cocktails. Sure, I walk around the block thinking about the cold, dark universe, but I also count my steps. <laughs> I need at least 45 more steps to be in the average. Okay, so you took mushrooms I took mushrooms of Bonnaroo, man. Oh, and also, like, yeah, I didn't know. You sat down. I sat down when I'm watching the guitar solo, realizing the energy, and I then I looked up in the clouds, and I saw kind of my folks up there, and I... They basically said to me, quote unquote, yep. stop worrying about us, dumbass. Do what you do. Like, quit yeah. thinking we are disappointed. They, they, it was basically them in the clouds being like, we support you. We love you. You know that. Don't be an idiot. Wow. And then there was another figure uh, that felt like God or whatever, something benevolent. Um, and I was looking up at that. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I just started hearing the words, let it, let it. Let it, because another thing is, I always I have a control product to be in control, and with psychedelics especially, that's it's a lesson in losing control, yeah, yeah, letting go. Yeah. I, I'm so with you. I see your tattoo says this, let it. This, so this is from that trip, nice. uh, and it says let, let, it, let be it, it be it, right? And um, I bet people are like, did you mean to say let it be, but you ran out of room? Yeah, exactly. Because and I'm like, the Beatles missed part. You don't just <laughs> let it, but you also be it. Yeah. Well, tell me everything. What do you mean? So, because um, and and also I was like pretty young in comedy so 2012 i'd been at it about three years and i was just trying to figure out what 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 do i want to be what do i want to do with this am i bill hicks or am i am i the am i silly am i you know what 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 lane what am i trying to do with my comedy do i want my comedy to be important do i want it just to be funny do i want it to be smart what kind of car is my comedy (laughs) is it a porsche is it a porsche is it a hoist is it a porsche or a hoist I think this guy's driving a horse. Not a <laughs> <laughs> that is the punchline to the worst joke. I think he's driving I a horse. I didn't say Porsche. I said my horse. <laughs> nice to meet you. Your money will appreciate <laughs> You might like my client, the yoker. <laughs> I didn't say my horse. <laughs> 
I said my Porsche. That's the good version. And then I got in this Porsche. It was a great day. So they said, uh, don't worry about us so much. See, that's right on. I love this. Yeah, like, just just be you. We support you. Yeah, and, Boston uh, University. And then, you know, I, I was, I'm always in my head and trying too hard. I, I'm a try hard at heart, too, which yeah. I don't like that about myself. And you control and you try hard. Try hard, yeah. And it's always like too eager like when i was playing basketball i was very much yes sir and i'd run and dive all over the floor and play but like play so hard that i would be it's too yeah, much it's like you could also relax yeah. some and right. and be like the hands of that reggae guitar solo yeah and just let it let it instead of do it let it so Ooh, that was kind of the lesson dude instead you of do it let, it. let it let shit. it let it and that's let so it. so let it was going through my head let it let it let it and then be it just be it don't think about it. Just be it. Yeah. Whatever it is, just be it. That's just let it and be it. That's and then what Ramdas said to me about comedy. He said, "Be comedy." Whoa. He said, "Don't be funny." He's like, "Just be comedy." Whoa. Yeah, dude. that's deep. Yeah. That's right. And that's where I love psychedelics. Is so many of the same lessons come through to different people all over the world. That's and right. That's where it's like, okay, so we are tapping into something. Right. That's why I believe it. Yeah. Because it's like when I commiserate with other people. Have you seen the? Um, Ken Kesey's Magic School Bus doc thing where it followed them around. Ken Kesey no. wrote one for the Cuckoo's Nest, like the Merry Band of Pranksters. They it's basically, a movie? Uh, yeah, watch as I write it's like it a down. Doc. Watch it, w- write it, it down. Uh, I think it might be called like oh, the Magic down. School uh, Bus or well, Magic School Bus was the movie we watched in school, but it was something where it's like the Merry Band of Pranksters, Ken Kesey Merry Band of Pranksters, and they had a bus. I don't remember what they called it, but I think the title of the film is the what the bus is called. But if you Google it, you'll find it. But, on the magic bus. On the magic bus. Hey, hey. I think hey. I, I'm going to find it. Yeah, it's so good. And, and they, But there's a woman in there that talks about a trip she had, and it like was basically let it be it, was her takeaway. And it gave me chills. I was like, fuck. No, if I was more on my game, I could tell you where I've read, and it's multiple places, let it be it. Let it is non-resistance, basically. Yeah. And be it is... On my fridge, you'll see maybe on the way out, it says, be love. Actually, it says right there. Oh, yeah. Be love. Be love. I saw so, that. I love that. <clears throat> thinking about love is fucking bullshit. Loving things because you like them is fucking bullshit. Being love is actually is more like setting the, the radio of your being to a certain frequency mm-hmm. where you just are love. Yeah. Thinking about why you love Katie is fucking stupid. Just being a space wherein love for Katie <laughs> can exist. Hope that wasn't weird. <laughs> Is uh, is what what we're here to do? Fully. Not, not to not to critique and grade things and go. Well, I love Katie, but not as much as Sprinkles, not as much as Dorito cheese. Fully, you're just supposed to be shut your fucking brain off and be it. Yeah, don't totally. think about love. Be love. Yeah, and it sounds so simple, but in practice, it's so hard, you know. And yes, but it's it, it was it just felt really profound. And I sat up and I go, uh, and my buddy goes, "What?" I go, "I think I've got it." And he goes, "What?" I go, "I don't know. Give me." paper and pen and i wrote this as it's on my wrist and he goes <gasps> and i go do you get it he goes yes let it be it let it and he started saying it and i was like oh shit okay this feels like a profound moment let it be it yeah and i was just like let that's my new moniker it. just let it and be it and fucking chill out dude because like before i would go on stage i used to sit there for an hour on the brink of shaking i'd be so nervous and thinking about every set and every word and i would write a set list for every set mm. and i'd take it on stage and while i was telling one joke i'd be making sure i'm thinking about the transition into the next joke and i'm up there i'm not in the moment at all yeah. i sound like a robot that's right and then it was just like You're kind of basically like and, and actually saying be comedy that really is kind of was the realization of just like dude you're funny like quit Quit guessing yourself. And also yourself. comedy happens in the merging of you and the audience. So if you think, 
I just had a week set recently and I was like on stage and I was like, I'm just saying the words to the people. Like I forgot to be it. Yes. And I was just like, I've said this before and it was successful. Yeah. And then I paused and they're like, yeah, but we can tell you're not here. I always liken it to bad sex. Like the the, the sex is happening, mm-hmm. but you forgot to connect. You yeah. forgot to be sex yeah and you're just doing yeah sex. yeah it's like it's like you're thinking about the next thing like oh when exactly. this is over i gotta get in the shower because it's the worst it's what it's the thief and the and the, robs us of life and especially with comedy it's hard because there's so much downtime you yeah, know sometimes right. it's hard to actually clock in for the part that's work that's right yeah that's <sighs> that's also true i i stupid but i had that soft set and i was like oh right I know it's not it's not like the one thing that was missing, but sometimes backstage I'll jump up and down a little bit just to get my heart rate going. Yeah. And that's really helpful to me to to remember this is game time. Like get your heart rate up a little bit. Because I if there was a problem with the show, it was I was like a little bit too relaxed. Yeah. You come like, out. what's going on? I've been very relaxed all day and I'm gonna be relaxed up here. And they're like, We paid money for this. Hey, how about you relax? Yeah. yeah that's Why don't been you my try time. That? Yeah, it's so weird because I, I have sets where as soon as I start I'll be two words in, and I'm like, "This is going to go very bad." Yeah, and I just know I can. It's tell. like mushrooms. Yes, you know when you first go into the space and you're like, "Uh oh, <laughs> whoopsie, <laughs> like, whoops!" Today wasn't the day for this. Shouldn't have had all those caps. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I've had I had one of those recently. I hate that. I hate that you know right away. I do too. But you can turn it. You can. It's like turning a school bus around. It's hard as hell. It's hard as and hell. Because because part of it too is the the fear of the realization. Accelerates you deeper. It. Yeah, that's right. So it you, run that the feeling you get from it happening fuels it happening worse. Yes. Yeah. And so you literally have to do. So I, I find like if there's like a frisbee or a ball to be thrown, that is the time to do it. Oh. Get the body moving and start focusing on something else. I've heard that with marijuana. That's what lively up yourself is about. Oh yeah. Like don't just sit there and freaking out. Like don't yeah. Go jump in the ocean. Yeah, I play basketball stone now. And, really. Uh, my only thought on that is I wish I had discovered it sooner because I would have been much better. I have an anxiety disorder and um, weed oh, really? really helps with it. Oh, wow. And um, that's like a diagnosed thing. So, that, you know, depression, I always like to keep it different because there's clinically depressed people that I feel like deserve to have that. You know, like, I don't know that I am one. So right. I'm, I understand. I deal with depressive episodes, but it is not what you It's like the difference between deal calling with. someone a narcissist and saying, like, they have narcissistic tendencies. Right. Out of respect for people that have narcissistic personality disorder. And it's even like, I don't talk about sober stuff that much on stage because I still smoke. I still trip. Like, I like to keep right. the sober. The, yeah, the applause let, from the audience. I like to save that for the right. sober people that are out don't here. Don't go, I'm a firefighter. Get the applause. Volunteer two days a month. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Don't, exactly, don't do that. Don't exactly. Do exactly. That. Right, save right, that right. for the real ones. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but... But yeah, so that trip, that trip in Bonnaroo, that was really profound. And it was like the first time I had ever been to a festival like that where I did drugs like that, like multiple days and kind of stayed in that space. You did them the next day? So we did mushrooms the first day. The second day, there was Molly going around the park and we got, and it was like also weird because it was lit up in a way where we were like, oh, Bonnaroo's telling us that this is the night to do Molly. (laughs) All of a sudden there's neon lights everywhere and Skrillex is the headliner and you're like, okay. We were walking around and... I think I remember Aziz did a bit about it. He was like, what's all this bullshit for? And I'm pretty sure he talked about taking much. I don't know. I don't want to put drugs in Aziz's story. Yeah. But it sounded like he was saying, then you take mushrooms and you're like, oh, that's why they have this art exhibit that's tiny doors that you open and there's glass and you look in and it's like a miniature scene of like Idaho in the 30s. And you're like, oh my 
god! It's they put Idaho in here. Like it's the most fascinating thing in the world. If you're on drugs. One time we were at the Chicago Aquarium on mushrooms, and my buddy Nate Simmons was looking into a, a display, and uh, he was looking in there. And I go, I go, uh, what are you, what are you pondering on over here, buddy? He goes, you know, it's crazy out here. John Elway in there. No, John Elway. <laughs> I go, yeah, that kind of sucks for those fish. He goes, yeah, these these fish don't know about John Elway. Oh, <laughs> I was like, all right, buddy, I'm gonna my. leave you. I'm gonna leave you to that. I know everybody that listens to this podcast is gonna know what I'm about to say, but there was this guy who had this trip where he was in Chicago and he kept touching things and going, "Is Chicago?" Then it touch his body and go, "Is not Chicago," and that is that is mushrooms. Almost let it be at level. Where you st- like it's so profound. I-, I tell it every time it comes to mind. Yeah, and there's a song. It's a musician. I wish I could remember who it is, but the chorus is "Is Chicago? Is not Chicago?" It's really fun. Oh wow, that is fucking crazy. Is L.A. This couch is L.A. based? I guess. Yeah. Technically. Yeah, it's not going anywhere unless it. Yeah, and I am not L.A. You are not L.A. But it's the joke of separation yeah that's the whole mystical journey that's all enlightenment is that's all any momentary awakening is is realizing the interconnectedness but modern science agrees with that and mystics agree with that which is it's either a swarm of molecules creating the the play of separateness or you could get the spiritual words in there and say the same thing yeah that's what's crazy is that science is actually finding the things that mystics have been saying like yeah you know, quantum physics and the the connectedness of electrons across space. It's like, yeah. oh, interesting. It's so, fucking nuts. The one I always out. like is if you splice a atom in half and you have one half of the atom in Boston and the other half in whatever, Shanghai, and you rotate it in Boston, it'll rotate in Shanghai. It's like you separate them as far as you can on this planet and they, they're still connected. And then, you know, it, stop, it starts being less weird when you have, like, twin phenomena. Like, we can, everybody believes, like, not everybody, but people seem to be more open to the idea that twins have some sort of connection. Or mothers and babies, or me and my daughter. Like, mm-hmm. I'm certainly more attuned to, like, my, my gut, my feelings. Like, mm-hmm. is everything okay? I sort of have, a, like, a, a wellness. And, and sometimes you have a, a feeling that something isn't okay, and it's weird that that gets confirmed by reality. So you start trusting your intuition. Or as Ramdas would say, there are all these other levels of intelligence. Unfortunately, it's often grouped with females, women, female intuition. But we all have like our gut intelligence. That's one of the things that science is confirming, that there is an intelligence to the gut, mm-hmm. and there is an intelligence to the heart. And all these things that we've been saying that are very similar to like chakras that were being drawn on the walls of the pyramids. Yeah, there's a crazy... Did you see? Um, ever see the doc on Netflix, I Am? No. It's not very highly rated. I loved it. It's the guy I'm who directed uh, uh, Liar, Liar and... Oh, I did see it. Ace Ventura too. And the guy... But he goes to the Heart Institute and they were basically talking about how they're finding that attraction might literally be because your heart beats in a way that like is in rhythm with the other person. So like if you feel attracted to someone, it very well might just truly be because your hearts are beating in a rhythm that is compatible. Weird. And stuff like that. I know smell is, it's such a weird thing that we're like, if you like someone's pheromones, you'll probably get along with them. Yeah. Come again. Yeah. Like that's fucking trippy as shit. I like you. I like the way you smell, darling. Like, Val and I love the way each other smells. I know that's like a creepy, like it's we're in our hot tub. Val and I love the way we smell. And then I turn the lights off. 
Bubbles, the bubbles come on. <laughs> Birds do it. Bees do it. That's me going underwater. Even Japanese, please do it. That was their Netflix. What's he? What's he going to say next? Japanese, please. <laughs> All right, so uh, you did the drugs. You took the Molly. Skrillex was on stage. Yeah, I mean, that was funny too because I, I we had neighbors that blasted dubstep in Chicago, and I was like, I, and and I was always like, well, now I feel old because there's now a genre of music that I do not understand. Yeah. Dubstep. What is yeah. this? This is stupid. And then I was on Molly, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I, I get it. Like I've never done Molly and listened to Skrillex, but I have done enough stuff that I can imagine it, mm-hmm. and it has to feel like pulsing energy going up and down mm. your spine and tingling your butthole. Mm, yes, right? like mm. somebody told me they gave me some drugs I didn't take because I was scared, but they were like, if you take it, electronic music will make you won't just enjoy it; you'll understand it. Uh huh. Like you'll be like, I get it. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it's creating a feeling; it's not creating a sound, right? And that's what Crazy. I didn't understand because it's for raves. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay. I mean, and I, you know. Did you love it? Oh, yeah, I loved it. But I mean, Molly, Molly is one of those that, that scares me a little bit. You know, it's one of those that after you take it, you, the next day you go, okay, so that one is a serious drug. Right. That I should be very careful You're with. You're now depleted. I'm now depleted. I feel like I did something. Get that 5-HTP, baby. You got to get that. That shit saves you. Yeah. And but yeah, it's one of those. I don't do Molly often because of that. I, Last time I did it, right. I was you on the yogurt because I took it and I was like, I'm getting nothing. Really? I got nothing. Maybe because you're I so full of love, you got a kid now. That might I'd like be to it. think. I actually think it might be. I mean, we are earlier. Remember, I was saying a microwave is just everything that's not stopping. <laughs> So, like, who cares what I think? <laughs> As you'll recall, I once said that all a microwave is is things that aren't stopping it from being a microwave. So I just feel like I should tell you that before I say this so you know how seriously to take me. All right. So, I mean, the world would be better if more people did that. If they were like, all right, here's my take on the environment, but you should know that yes. one time when I was 18, yes. I was hey, a hole's a hole. And I, yeah. Yes. Someone should get up and propose their solution to homelessness and then be like, I also believe that my apartment is haunted by two ghost canaries. Good night. <laughs> be like, I like their plan, but ghost canaries? <laughs> I think that is brilliant. There's something sort of much for me about that because it's sort of much for me. It's it's a John Wayne quote I quote all the time. I think it was John Wayne. There was like everybody's an expert in ev- something and everybody's an idiot about something. Oh yeah, that's very mushroomy to be like that's is Chicago is not Chicago. So he is a genius. Like okay, nudge us into our categories. Is an idiot. Not just out of our categories. That's fucking everybody. It's, yeah, totally, man. It's like the smartest people are sometimes the worst socially. Yeah, like I heard Stephen Hawking said library. Birds do it. Please do it. Please take me to the library. Even the voice box said library. So he did type L I B E R R Y. He was a prankster. Mm, that's what I was about to say. I was he like, did it as a Did he say it? He's, did okay. he say it? Or did his. A brief history of that time I got their ass good with that library <laughs> prank. Um. And then you did the DMT. And then I did the Deemsters. Um, you smoked it. I sh- well, it was actually, so the third Bonnaroo day, we left and we went to a waterfall that my friend knew about because he grew up near Nashville and uh, we did acid. So we was at three. It was mushrooms one day, Molly, the third day was acid. And at the end, I, I was like, I'm okay absent of fear. That. Like I was absent oh, wow. of 
I mean, I was, I was I, like, I got this wrist tattoo and then my buddy was like, you know, you're still on drugs, right? I'm looking at your pupils right now. You probably should have thought about that a little longer. Oh, you know. got it while you were still kind of dripping. I got it when I got home, but he was like, after three days of what you were doing, he's like, your pupils are still very dilated. And wow. cause I got it. Like I got home on a Monday, did a show. It was the most, lo- it was the loosest, most fun I've been on stage at that point. Like I remember they introduced me and they played music to get me on stage and the first probably minute of my set, I was just going around the crowd making people get up and dance with me. And I never did silly shit like that. Wow. I was always so tight approaching the stage. But after this weekend of like feeling open yeah. and free, yeah. I was just spinning people around and like yes. having so much fun with it. You were letting it. I was letting it. And I was being it. Yes, you were. And people were like, who's this fun new guy? Because if you do that and it's forced, everyone can smell it. And they're like, don't touch me, yoker. Because I went on, I just got back from another private retreat with Ram Dass and I hadn't done stand-up in a couple weeks and then I did the show in D.C. I was doing a full set and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I haven't done stand-up in a very long time. And I had the best set. I didn't think about the order. I didn't think about the time. I didn't think about like, am I going to remember every part? I was just doing, I was being comedy. It was the best. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's what's cool about getting longer in the game is, um, you know, reps are still very important, but... In a lot of ways, reps are so important when you start, and then it flips, and it's almost like the more you tend to your life, the better you get. Completely agree. I just saw, in my mind, Ryu from Street Fighter Two kicking seven boards, and they all broke. I remember one time uh, I went to a taekwondo class with my friend in elementary school, and uh, we were sparring. I never, I know taekwondo. I literally just went to sit in with my buddy. So mm. we were, I was sparring, and the kid across from me, we were like shadow boxing or whatever, and then he dropped a knee and went Hadouken, and I, I didn't know what to do, so I just like fell over like I'd been hit, and the teacher was like, "What's going on here?" And I was like, "He Hadoukened me." And your teacher is Honda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just slapped me really fast, <laughs> multiple times in the face. I'm I can take it down a car very quickly. Um, all right, and w- because we're towards the end, and we talk about God, I feel like the DMT thing might be a good way to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, God? sure. Because that's Absolutely. pretty serious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I broke through. I, I smoked DMT and had had one real breakthrough where I was like, oh, th- this is what they talk about. You know, I'm through. I didn't like break through. Um, some people say there's like uh, geometric shapes and you bust through it. I really just like, I hit it and it hit and I went limp and I just fell back on the couch and I just. <laughs> so up. wait, but you, you still think that there was like a level higher that you could have gone? Is that what oh, no, think? I'm saying a lot of people describe breaking through as like oh. literally like you see like a geometric wall and then you literally break through it or whatever. Oh, and for yeah. me, it was just like I hit it the third time held it in and then just went limp on the couch. When my head hit the couch, I just ascended into blackness. It was like, yeah, everything was black. And then, yeah, there was these like three cosmic beings and, uh, they were just very much like, Hey dude, we've been waiting for you. Kind of like to, to me, it <laughs> I've felt heard like that a lot with DMT is they're always like, what took you so long? Yeah. It feels like they've been watching you. Cause I do feel like shrooms acid. These things are like, kind of like getting you ready. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like drinking a beer before you go straight into whiskey. Yeah. You know, it's I like see. you get a taste for it. <laughs> and then this is the real deal. Here you come. Yeah. <laughs> this is the real deal. Yeah. Because Terrence McKenna said they uh, they literally went, uh, you send so many, you come so infrequently. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, as if they were like talking to all the people that he sent there. 
See, and I was then, thinking about him today because I actually I just did my DMT story for this Comedy Central thing uh, for the Tales from the Trip. Their series. That's what I saw. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you said it was like uh, when you leave your car running. Yeah. And you run into Seven Eleven. That's how you felt about your body. Yeah. I was like, you stay here. I'll be back. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it was it's interesting because a couple people responded to that story like, now I want to try DMT, and then like with DMT, I'm proud. Like I'm like, great. I'm glad I inspired somebody to try that. But if mm. somebody was like, I saw your joke about cocaine. I think I'm going to do cocaine. I would, oh, I would, I would die. Yeah. You know, it's like, but Terrence McKenna made me feel better about, cause like there, I had a brief moment of anxiety where I was like, Oh, I don't want to be the guy that just gets, but then it's like, Oh wait, I was comfortable doing it because of Terrence McKenna. And it was a very positive experience for me. This yeah. is a good thing. I've also heard that with DMT, I, I, I don't want to be held to this. I've heard no, numerous things. I've heard people, smoke it and then they live as a native american for 12 years and then they come back and they're like what like i just lived a whole life mm -hmm. and then i've heard people that are like you you don't have to worry as much about set and setting because it's such a channel flip lsd is going to like interact with your inner world your yeah. mood yeah if we, if we had acid in this room it would be like you know we would just be looking around like god those boxes are great but like yeah. dmt you're not in this room anymore right I there was a guy who took it every day for fifty days. DMT. Yeah. Wow. And there was only one rule that he came back with, which was do it outside. He was like, "Oh, don't do it with a roof over your head." Interesting. Because he only had like I think he had one bad thing, and and his revelation was like, "You always want to be able to shoot up, like shoot into the sky." It's interesting, but I did, and I was inside when I. I only know people that. Did but I was also inside. like high up in an apartment building, so maybe it was oh, just balanced out. Yeah, maybe I went through the skylight. And uh, so you saw the three beings, and one of the, the lady was dancing. It was mm -hmm. a dancing the lady. The dancing lady. One looked like qu cartoon Questlove. Yeah. Which was crazy. And then uh, one <laughs> was like, uh, we were listening to this band, Rubble Bucket. I don't know if you know them, mm -hmm. but like, if you ever listen to Rubble Bucket, you'll be like, ah, oh, yes, tripping music. Like, they make very much that sort of. And it's like very clear that their music is influenced by psychedelics. It's yeah. like. Um, it's we, weird how some people can nail how it feels to be true. Isn't that crazy? Like, I think about that too, man. I listened to Hendrix when I was on LSD and I was like, how did he know? He yeah, he had to have like written it while tripping, right? He must have. It just For people who haven't taken LSD, it's like this. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. But from the inside. Bow, bow. And just like LSD, I'm not always in the mood for it. Yeah, totally. I don't think a lot of people are throwing on Rubble Bucket while they're reading. No, no, no. Rubble Bucket's not, yeah, not for studying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we listened to Rubble Bucket, and yeah, it was just like the music informed the, it was just with me. Like the music was still there, and it looked like one of the guys was DJing, but he was playing Rubble Bucket. Oh, wow. See, that's what I didn't understand. At one point, you said your teeth were chattering because the faceless orb guy, which you haven't mentioned yet, but there was a faceless orb guy, mm -hmm. and he shot you with a like a healing vibration beam. Yeah. And you said your teeth were chattering. And I was like, what's interesting? I'm not calling bullshit at all. I'm wondering about the relationship between your, your host body and whatever part of you was having this experience. Yeah. Well, that was a part that I thought was so insane is, is so this beam of light shot out from the being and it was like every color at once. It was like every color of the rainbow all at once. Like the beam would be like a red light would hit me, then, then yellow, then orange, then blue, green, violet, just in a row, like every color of the rainbow, mm. like as if it was in traffic coming into my body. Right. And, but right before I could hear buzzing first and it, 
I always describe it as like if you took like an industrial like barbers like trimmers like you know the big ones that barbers use where it's like yeah. yeah if you took like a hundred of those and duct taped them together and turned them all on at once that's right out of carlos that, castanea where he takes a very serious hallucinogen in the in the jungle really he said the don juan's books and he said he heard what sounded like a million bumblebees that's it that's and that's what you were saying earlier, which is like, why are we all having these similar experiences? That's where it gets so weird, right? Although I wonder if I'm, I'm kind of hearing somebody being like, because you're stimulating s- s- the same parts of the brain. Yeah, on. that also you, you, that is important to. Oh. Sorry, to you, think about. You, you're getting blasted by the light, my little sunlight, but that's okay. Get a little vitamin D. Um, so yeah, and then you just hear it, and then. And I could like feel it in my head. And then as soon as the beam of light hit my body, the buzzing, I could just feel it through my whole body. It was like inside my body. Wow. See, when you said that, my I was chest like, was rattling. Like Kundalini thing, because did it go from your, the base of your spine up? Yeah. I, I feel like you told it in that regard. That I couldn't, I, I couldn't. And that's very Kundalini. When I was sitting with Ramdas, I felt my Kundalini rising. It's a very, that's not like super special. That's like a normal, when you're meditating, you might feel something like a snake uncoiling as if it was sitting at your butthole, basically. I'm not trying to be funny. It's sitting at your butthole and it starts going counterclockwise up your spine, up until your crown chakra. That's like the way these energies tend to move in our body. So when you were telling that story, I was like, he was getting like a Kundalini. Somebody responded to the Twitter thing with that too. Really? I was like, oh, that's interesting. They were like, yeah, that was your Kundalini light. Yeah, do you, do you have a burner account like uh, Mitt I have Romney? A burner account. <laughs> Does Mitt Romney have one? Sheet Blooms. He, um, yeah, he admitted that he has like an account that he uses to monitor what people are saying about him. Oh, that's pretty normal. Which I don't know why he admitted that. To, somebody was like polling shows that you need to. It's like Wayne Lapierre or something hilarious too. He looks like he has a lot of high testosterone. Yeah, he has too many sons. That's what I'm saying. It's like six sons. What is six that? Six sons. That's a lot of sons. Do not have a daughter Abraham? in there. Yeah, what happened to the daughters, Mitt? No one has six sons in a row, Mitt. <laughs> where are the daughters? Where are they? Mitt, where are the daughters? That is such a funny thing to say. No one has six in a row, Mitt. This is a 50-50 shot. You're telling me you got six sons in a row? Where are the bodies? Yeah, your kitchen is staffed with children that look a lot like you. Couldn't help but notice, Mitt. Couldn't help but notice. Um, yeah, and uh, so yeah, the, and it was like healing you. It felt like it felt like I was getting a surgery that was very benevolent and good, and I was with it, and it was going all up and down. And then yeah, pause on the liver, and I was like, <laughs> I, I I was very consciously in that moment, like yeah. I do drink too much. This is Chicago days too. You know how yeah. it is there. Yeah, so I, I was already, a, I'm already wired to booze too much. Yeah. And then on, you add to that being in Chicago in your twenties. Yep. You know, yep. it was, it was madness. And then, yeah, so that Did happened. Did it feel okay? It wasn't judging you though. It was like, let no. me love your liver. Yeah. It was just, it, you know, almost like, Hey, you're good enough without it. Yeah. That type of like shit. The clowns, like the maybe what if clowns. you learn to be confident without drowning yourself in whiskey? Yeah beautiful um yeah and then we went for a fly that was wild grab my hand oh the benevolent orb head guy grabbed my hand and we started flying quest love and uh, the lady stayed back they were like y'all go have a good time we're gonna give you two a little alone time oh my god and we flew and it was like jet black everywhere and so it felt like we were in outer space but then 
And actually, it's really funny. Uh, again, the same shit, right? So Shane Moss and his uh, Tales from the Trip, and one of them, he goes, you know how at the end of Looney Tunes, it goes, da, 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 that's all, folks. He, he actually references that in one of his stories. Yeah. Same thing, but imagine if right before it got completely black, it stopped. And so there was like just a circle I could see through. It almost looked like I was looking through like a pirate telescope thing, you know, mm-hmm. like the, whatever those mm-hmm. things are called. So I could only see through a circle. But it was Earth, and it was Earth at peace. And we were just flying. I remember specifically flying across the Golden Gate Bridge. And then we were flying through like parts of different parts of the world and everyone was dancing. And there was like parts that looked really impoverished, like ghettos, but the people were dancing and happy. And it was almost like we were touring the earth at peace. And it was very much like, holy shit. And then after we had seen that, the orb through which I had seen everything this is where the, the Comedy Central story got edited in a way where it wasn't super clear. Mm-hmm. But like, so again, I saw this through an orb. It was not the head. I wasn't looking through the being's head because it said, you know, he had an orb-like head. Mm-hmm. This was its own thing. And it was, so imagine like a crystal ball. I'm seeing everything through a crystal ball, right? So then that crystal ball got rose up above me, which is strange because I must have actually started looking up with my physical body when that happened because mm-hmm. all my other friends had come out of their trip at this time. So I was the last one still going because I had broken through. Mm-hmm. And so, and then from the crystal ball, a tube extended into my mouth, and my mouth got forced open. It literally felt like someone grabbed my teeth with their hands and pulled them a- apart. Like it didn't feel like I opened my mouth. It felt like someone was like, Gah, "Let me in there." What? And then the tube extended, and then everything from the crystal ball orb came down through the tube into my mouth. All the piece. All the piece. And then my mouth was closed, and then the beam of light came back, but this time it was on my brain. And then and it went all over my brain and all three beings were back. So actually before the tube distended, they were all around the crystal ball. So all three were around it. Then it distended. They were like, I got to see this. Yeah, let's see how it reacts to this shit. (laughs) And then it went in my mouth. My mouth closed. The beam of light is now in my brain. All over. And then as soon as it stopped, the whole thing kind of broke. And then there's a moment where you're like still wavy. But now I was very much back in the room. So now I'm like looking around at my friend's apartment. It's all wavy and weird. And it slowly just <laughs> dissipated. And then I was just sitting there like, uh, hey, guys. <laughs> like, oh, my God. What did you guys see? And my friend Dave, David Drake, really funny comic. He got uh, He's like, oh, it's fun that you saw World Peace. I got dragged to hell by a demon. <laughs> he was like, no. he had like the worst time of his life. He was terrified. Like when I left, he was sitting on his toilet staring at the ground. <laughs> like, Oh, what? <laughs> My. I was like, thanks for the great time, Dave. I saw world peace. I'm going to go skip home. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but he said he did it again later and uh, had a good time. So He went back? He went back. That's a, you know, how about that? I know some people that trip that are like, I went to hell and it was incredible. Like, oh, it was awful. But like, I, I fucking learned a lot. Like, they're just like real masters. Yeah. I'm like, give me the Ambrosia BJ. And they're like, I saw Lucifer himself. <laughs> and it was better than a blowjob. And it was better because I learned about the darkness within. Oh my god! Yeah, that was a real moment, man. But I, I loved it, and it, it restored my faith in like something greater than us, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing is, it's like it's so weird that religious people are often the ones that are so weird about drugs like that. Where I'm like, honestly, I feel like if a super Christian person tripped, they would only reaffirm some of their. I don't think it would For like sure. undo everything. I think it yeah. would be more like, oh wow. No, it would take something that you were taking on faith, which is an unseen reality within, throughout, and behind this one, yeah. and make you go, 
that's not just wishful thinking. It's 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 as close as this reality. Yeah. It's not even overlaying. It just is this reality. It's happening concurrently. Yeah. And, and it's the stimulus that removes the veil. I had a friend that did ayahuasca that um, he had a brother that passed away when we were in middle school. And he said his brother was the one that took him through his ayahuasca trip. Wow. And he hadn't seen, obviously seen his brother since he passed away. And I go, is like physically him? He goes, no, you know, it was, it was like an orb of bright light, but I knew it was him. And he spoke to me without words, of course, how those things all go. Yeah. But uh, he's like, yeah, he just held me from behind and kept me warm and took me through to meet the mother. Wow. And, but he, and I go, what I asked him, I go, what did he say to you? And he said, he said, uh, nothing matters except for family, friends, and love. Um, I mean, he's like, you do everything else, but yep. it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Like your achievements, all that. Family, family friends, and love. And he said, the last thing he said was, and remember, the veil is very thin. Right. And I'm always with you. So basically, like, I'm right there, buddy. Yeah. I think it was like that all the time. If we are sharing one consciousness, when you say, if I was dying and I said, don't worry, Kenny, I'm always with you, that, that's literally true. You know yeah. what I mean? Meaning my consciousness is your consciousness. And yeah. even though Pete is gone, being can't go anywhere. Yeah, and I think about this too, weird. Like, this is the thing that trips me out. But, like, when, you know, you, we travel a lot doing comedy. And, uh, you know, you go to these different places and you're like, oh, you're the this guy in this town. And you're That's just so like the this guy in that town. You kind of look alike and you talk alike and you make similar jokes. Wow. What the fuck is going on here, man? This is a simulation. I feel like I've felt like I've been on drugs this whole conversation <laughs> and like different drugs. <laughs> I was on cocaine in the beginning. I was stoned in the middle. Yeah. And now I'm on mushrooms because that is like so right on. I did a casino gig outside of Seattle and the casino manager came back and I was like, you are casino manager. <laughs> it's the man. Oh, I used to deliver food in Chicago. That was my like, day. What job. if you met the other ones? Oh my God. Yeah. Do you guys have conventions and go agree? Hey, this is the joke we make. You should definitely have a spray tan. That's all I'm going to say. Dude, It's so weird. Like I used to deliver food in Chicago and it was like for a high end deli. So it was a lot of like the ad agencies there would order giant trays of sandwiches for their clients and I'd come deliver. And so to do that, you would enter through the service entrance and there'd always be a elevator guy. <laughs> and I'm telling you, dude, the same jokes, all of them. And I, it's like, did it you, has guys, its ups and did downs. you text each other? Yeah. You know, every time I'd walk in and go, oh, that, that delivery is actually for me. You can just go and leave that here. Buddy, I had that watch. Don't, don't really. But in my Comedy Central Presents, I had a bit called Jokes Everyone Makes, which is if you walk around with flowers, people go, is that for me? Yes. And cashiers, if it doesn't ring up, everyone goes, is it must be free. <laughs> and if you see a limo, you go, my ride's here. And, uh, you know, er, there's too many of them. It's, now there's Reddits for all of them. Yes, but, but it's so true. It is so true. We're, that's what I mean when I'm saying if I was in rural Tennessee... I would be the Pete there, and his politics might change, his personality might change, his jokes might change, and all that is is a reminder that what it is that I think is Pete is sand passing through my fingers, and that is the ayahuasca, nothing matters except friends, family, and love, yeah. is because everything else is a guy that can be profound at some times, and at other times says, am I quick? <laughs> It's just the parts that I'm don't imagining. Stop I'm imagining he's saying this at like a at like a Sears, you know, <laughs> to like the salesman, 
and, and you're like, I need a microwave. And he's like, okay, well, we've got different models. You're like, you know, all a microwave is. <laughs> he's uh, the things that stop something from being a microwave removed. You think of it from building it from zero up. I think of it from being too much microwave down. And they're like, sir, this isn't a public restroom. You have to leave. You got to go outside. <laughs> all that's happening, it's all one, baby. <laughs> and here's my number one on your floor. Because I'm peeing on the floor. Because you're peeing on the floor. Kenny DeFee. circle. I've enjoyed this podcast. Me too, man. This is so fun. I've been it. looking forward to this. I'm so happy we finally made it happen. We had to schedule it, then we had to move it. It happens. Yeah, it does. Life, man. Life. But luckily, nothing matters but friends, family, and love. Rescheduling and we, included. And then we meet the mother. And then we meet the mother. Oh, good. I feel like I'm on the DMT. I've been having that more and more lately, that feeling that I'm flying through the sky, which I am. There was that line in Doctor Who. I never got into Doctor Who, but I watched the pilot of one of them. It was like, we all know that the world is spinning at like 50,000 miles an hour towards the middle. And he goes, the difference is I feel it. Oh, wow. And I was like, that's how I'm getting. The, the, the deeper and weirder I get, I'm sitting here with you and I'm like, it's just minuscule that's dots. what can get scary about it like when you go deep into it it is scary because that's like, why we're at kfc all the time and jerking off to internet porn because the alternative is sitting around and going it's just dots yeah it and inside the dots are empty space and other smaller dots and we only know 11 of those smaller dots there could be even smaller dots when does it stop yeah. fractals i know I, I did mushrooms fairly recently and i and I know this for Men in Black, but I guess it didn't click as weird when I saw that movie. But I was like, oh, yeah, our solar system literally just looks like an atom with electrons spinning around it. Yeah, that's right. So we might just be living on an electron. And why wouldn't we be? If the indication is that as far deep in we go, there's always more. And then the indication is that as far out we go, there's always more. Then it might be Men in Black and we're in a marble and we're in a game of marbles. You yeah. know what I mean? But it doesn't matter wherever you are being is. That's why my definition of God being being works, because even if you go to another planet that has another mythology and another savior and another tradition, it doesn't matter. It's still being perceived and written down and understood with being, which is the constant everywhere. When I, yeah. Because if you're there, then being is. I know we were wrapping up, so sorry to make a weird pivot, but there's nothing I've been thinking about. And would be weird, but like, it. All the religions are so similar, and it's almost like, well, okay, in a pre-internet age, if there is a benevolent consciousness that wants to teach us things wouldn't it send multiple prophets to hit every of corner course. of the world of you're not course. just gonna tell one and be like hey jesus you got to start in the middle east and i want you to get it to asia like but i'll i'll do even better i've been saying this a lot lately on the podcast richard Roy says god or ultimate reality which is a safer term than god we say ultimate reality or ultimate truth comes to everybody equally through great love and great suffering and and he's like doesn't that sound exactly like a benevolent being or a God or an all knowing thing because great love and great suffering are available to everybody. I don't mean in copious doses. Not everybody has a lot of suffering. Not everybody has a lot of love, but you're going to get some at some point. And in those moments, you're going to learn something that's going to break you through. Yeah. Whether or not you stay through that sort of relies on other factors, but it can't be, it can't just be, he was like, if you're being saved relies on you belonging to a specific church and believing a certain doctrine, he's like 0.00000001% of all humanity ever has been saved. <laughs> or something like Like even more zero. Yeah. He's like, it's nobody. Yeah. He's like, zoom out. So it's got to be something more democratic mm-hmm. and something more available. Sure. And the idea that it was one guy that got it 
is preposterous. And if you go to India, they can show you 15 on one block. Like, there's Jimmy, the guy that's enlightened, there's Tony. This guy starts <laughs> fires. He still has some work to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But our Western notion that there can only be one Captain America, like, we don't want stories where it's Captain America and then there's another guy called Captain Tennessee that's like, I also have a shield. We just want it to be one guy. One guy. One brand. Coca-Cola. Get that Pepsi out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Be, and be a winner, damn it. Yeah. It talks through all of us, man. Kumare is another great thing to watch. That blew Love my Kumare. mind. That, that blew my mind. Vikram did the podcast. Oh, did he? Vikram. I got, I'll go back and listen to that one. It's a good one because I, I interviewed him days after I watched it. So it's like I'm hot off of it. Kumare is a great one. You can talk about roles and talk about identities and playing those games. Wonderful documentary. Mm-hmm. It's in us, man. It's in us. It is us. It is us. We are it. What else? As long be? as you just be it. Do you want to know... One sweet nug. Now that we're here, we're in the. These are the DVD features. This is the anal sex of the book. <laughs> these are the DVD features. Um, Muji, this this great. Um, he's actually Jamaican. I was going to say Indian thing, but he's. I think he's Jamaican. He does his meditation. It's called. Um, oh, I always forget what it's called. It's on iTunes. Invitation to freedom. And the punchline of it is, he helps you identify as your awareness. And then he basically twists it on you and he's like, awareness can only be recognized by awareness. So God is awareness and the piece of awareness that you're recognizing your own awareness of is God. So it sort of wakes you up to your own identity. But I say that to Val all the time. I said it to her last night before we went to bed. I was like, don't forget being can only be recognized by being. And that is the epiphany of all the great mystics is that God isn't a being. God is being. Yes. God is being. Yes. You don't have to defend or debate the existence of God because God is being and here we are. This is being. Mm-hmm. So God is a metaphor for the essence that is being. Right. It's the immortal diamond that shines with the unseen light of heaven, as Thomas Merton would say, in everything. Mm-hmm. And we call that God because it's too fucking long to say the shit I just fucking said. Totally. Now I'm on cocaine again. And also the light and also so much of being a human is learning to just let. So let, letting go is letting the light shine. That's right. Ego is what is there to cover it because right. it's scary to shine. It's but we scary to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, meant I'm going to go and proselytize and sell my story to people and impose it on others instead of letting your light shine. Yeah. Mother Teresa didn't try to convert people into <laughs> followers of Jesus. She tried to make herself Jesus. Yeah. That's a fucking big It's difference. like, look, look at somebody like Prince, for instance. Rest in peace. Rest in Prince rest had in it. Power. Prince had it. Rest in power. Absolutely. Just trying to do a callback. Prince, for sure. And he, if anyone deserves it, it's him. And, you know, everyone that came across Prince seems to have been touched by the experience. Yeah. Because he was just let, he was a he pure was being, being. Prince. He was pure being. He was, no one was being more themselves than Prince. Prince was Prince. Seven times filtered, please. Prince comes out of the spring ready to drink. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. But that's why we're drawn to ch- cool people are authentic people. They're effortless people. Yeah. Like Pacino isn't trying to be cool. He just kind of is like a cool cat. Yeah, cat. exactly. And then when I go like, hello, ladies, I like Lizzo. And everyone can smell me a mile away. That's not cool. But what is cool is when I am my big mouth dislocated jaw going, that, then everybody goes, oh, Pete found Pete. Yes, Petey. And Pete's riding his Pete wave. Yeah. And that'll always be appealing. Yeah, for sure. This is great. And we figured it out. We did figure it out. Let's smoke some. Everyone be Pete. methyl. No, that's what we just said. No. <laughs> Damn it. Be Kenny DeFoe. Yeah, just be me. Kenny DeForest with one F. One F. Because one that's R. how much I give.
Ooh, one F. I get one F, and it's but it's capitalized. Hell yeah! Oh wait, it is. mm -hmm. I don't like that. You want to take it away? Capitals are for the beginning of words. Oh, get out of here, Des Moines! (laughs) What What do you think you are? That M is starting the word over in the middle. No, I'm the beginning. (laughs) Here he comes. Be a little. Here comes the (laughs) yoker. Okay. (laughs) Would you bring me on, (laughs) yoker? Are you crazy yet? Hey, dipshit. Who are you? I'm just a guy on the street making sure you go crazy. All right, Kenny, what's the hardest time you've laughed in your life? Three, uh, two, one. So my uh, <laughs> my uh, best friend, Elliot, and I were playing street hockey, one-on-one. <laughs> I've, obviously, I've had time to think about this. I have, I have two. Yeah. I have two that I can't differentiate, so I'll give you both, and I'll be fast about it. So That's all good. I was playing goalie, and I had, you know, like Missouri, it's not a hockey culture, so I'm wearing actually catcher's gear, but I have a, you know, a glove, and I'm standing in the goal. So, I'm not wearing hockey pants. (laughs) I'm not wearing hockey pants. I'm wearing catcher's pants, because it's Missouri. You understand, don't you? (laughs) For some reason, I'm one of the hormone monsters from Big Mouth. I'm in the goal. I'm in the goal. I'm rocked up. I see her walk by. I'm that, playing Crowley, not goalie. Okay. <laughs> Simon Goal. <laughs> Elliot uh, shoots a, a slap shot. I make the save, but the, the, you know, you use like a street hockey ball. The ball bounces off my glove. It hits the ground, and it's rolling into the goal. And as it gets to the line, I fart so hard and loud that the vibration causes the ball to reverse course and it rolls out. I made a save with a fart. No! I farted so hard the ball did not cross the line. Down at it? Like it was rolling through your legs? So I hit it down. It was like rolling. It was like towards my butt. And as it got close, I just go, and the ball was rolling towards the line. And then it just, and and the, the, it just it was just enough that it went boop and it rolled back like an inch that way and Elliot and I both fell fully to the ground <laughs> and were unconsoled. I mean like convulsive yes. convulsive yes. laughing. One of the best answers of all time, the fart block. The fart block. Wow. And you know Jordan used to do that. He'd it, do a flip and fart a three off its course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it probably Probably so. It was in the deleted scene in Space Jam. He's so competitive. He probably will hear this podcast and yeah. then go do it just to sh- prove I'm he can. I'm going to take the zoot suit off, go on Pete Holmes' podcast. Oh, I don't man. know if that's a good I would choice. love to see Michael Jordan on this podcast. Do you think he'd be vulnerable? We're the same height. I'd love to wear one of his starburst colored zoot suits. <laughs> Mike. That's the right question. Because as I get deeper into showbiz, sometimes I feel like I might have access, like I might be an ask or two away from Big Star, right? Yeah. And then you're like, I don't want to sit across from Big Star, someone who I love, and have them just be like totally publicist trained and just like, well, that's one of the things I like about the craft. Mm-hmm. And you're like, come on. Come man. on, dude. Because they can't tell the fart ball story. It becomes a, it goes viral. Yeah. Like Keanu Reeves dates an older woman. It's like a huge story. Like, here we are, we're talking about DMT yeah. in a consequence-free environment. What is it, 1962 in London? It's like an Austin Powers joke. Oh, yeah, it's a good thing I don't value my career. Um, I'm happy to talk about it. You're doing just fine. No, we'll be good. Um, we'll be okay, number two. This two. is just a uh, one of the most perfectly timed things ever. Like, if comedy is timing, 
It was the best. So uh, the two guys I ran the show at Knitting Factory with, two of my best friends, Will Miles, Clark Jones, both very funny comedians. I know, Will. This is early in our Chicago days. We're becoming good friends, okay? So we're, at this point, we're buddies, but we're not best friends like we are now. But we were very, we were close. So I'm sitting there talking to Clark. Will is at the same place, but he's not near us. He's off just doing Will. At this point, Clark had just got passed to feature at Zany's and Jokes and Notes in the same year, which if you don't know Chicago comedy history, Jokes and Notes, historically black club on the south side of Chicago. Zany's uh, is, I don't know. I mean, we use such shitty coded language in comedy. One was the urban room. One was the mainstream room. Yeah. But whatever. You know what I'm saying. And yeah. So in Chicago is very segregated. Zany's is the North Side Club, and right. Jokes and Notes is the South Side Club. And then Barrel of Laughs is the White South Side Club. The Barrel of Laughs is the White South Side Club. <laughs> which is so which, weird. It was like the whitest club in the world, but it was like in the heart of South Side. Yeah, if I'm remembering. Correctly. No, yeah, and I, I think that and there just, was Riddles, which was the Black South Side Club, but different races would play there. Yeah. yeah, I know it's so weird that we're talking this way. People listening need to know that, like, for some reason, we learned it from the bookers. Yeah. The bookers would just so flatly be like, well, that's a black room, so we'll move you over here to the white room in Opia. And yeah. there's just such frankness with race. It can be Sure, and it's also stylistic. Jokes and Notes was an urban-style club. That's right. They did, you know, the, it was urban-style comedy. It's like a different were, style. That's you know? like it'd, Chris, be like, it'd be like you, you wouldn't book Oasis at a rap venue. Right. Like Chris D'Elia, white male, black comic. You know what I mean? He's sort of doing... Like a Def Jammy sort of thing. Although it's right. not quite right, but you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And so anyway, I was telling Clark, I said, hey man, I'm really proud of you. That's dope. You got passed at Zanies and Jokes in the same year. I was like, that's amazing. It's like, really shows your, your versatility, man. That's really cool. And then he said, thanks, man. I'm really, it really feels good for, to hear you say that. I always wonder what people think about me. <laughs> and as soon as you said, I always wonder what people think about me, Will, not having heard anything that was just said, pops in and goes, why are you dressed like this? <laughs> <laughs> just talking about Clark. And it was like sitcom level timing. It was like sitcom level yeah. timing from this very serious yes. moment we're sharing of like, I'm proud of you, man. That's yes. fucking awesome. Yes. And then just a roast. And I always wonder what people think about me. Why are you dressed like it's this? so funny. It was it's like Poochie on the Simpsons comes in and goes like, people think that hat's a bit much. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And like the window closes. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Every once in a while, life is 30 rock. It fully, yeah, fully. It's like, am I writing this right yeah. now? Yeah. What is this? I love both of those. Can I ask you one before I for, like I've been meaning ever since Lewis Black did it, and I asked him. We're having a very normal, uh, meaning of life conversation, and then for some reason I was like, "Have you ever had something happen that you can't explain?" And he gave me like nine. I can't remember. It, he he gave three. Three like incredible ghost stories, psychic stories, leaving my body stories. So now, whether or not you have one, no pressure. But if you've seen a ghost and you're holding out on me, motherfucker, I have one. Yeah, I have one. And and I actually just told this to uh, Caleb Sinan. Do you know him? Really funny comic. Um, we just shared a ride together from. Uh, I'm just name dropping all my friends. We're gonna edit. Oh, good. Now. Yeah, get and them out of here. Put in audio of me saying Abraham. Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was talking to my friend, and then it's your voice, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Known Democrat Abraham Lincoln. Um, so this was in college, uh, and my parents had gone out of town. I went to college in my hometown. 
And so my parents went out of town and they were like, hey, can you feed the cats and all that stuff? And I said, of course. And so one of the nights, uh, me, two of my roommates and one of my roommates, girlfriend, we were sitting there. I was like, you know, why don't we just go to my folks house? Just get off campus in the shitty apartment I described earlier. Yeah. Let's take a break from this horrific environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's and, get, take a left at the pile of hair. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go down to their house, feed the cats, hang out, just enjoy a night down there. Brought the Xbox, playing video games, whatever. And then, so at one point at the end of the night, we decided to watch Blazing Saddles. We are, I had pulled out a couch, pull out couch. Uh, my buddy, Steven, was asleep, was laying on the couch watching Blazing Saddles. I was next to him watching, and then Joe and his girlfriend were over here. Joe and his girlfriend are like, hey, you know what? We're going to go sleep at her house, because her apartment was like two minutes from where my parents lived mm. at the time. And they were like, uh, so yeah, we'll go home and sleep. We'll come back in the morning, pick you up, and we'll all go back to campus for class. Like, awesome. So at least me and Steven. Steven passes out during Blazing Saddles. I get up, go upstairs, <laughs> go to, to bed. Mel Brooks listening to this podcast. Yeah. I never, and turns it off. <laughs> it's because the PC culture, they just, you know. Everybody's too A little woke. playful racism just puts them to sleep <laughs> these days. It was a different time. <laughs> um. So yeah, so I go to sleep and I wake up the next morning and I, I just have this very distinct smell of blueberry muffins. Like it's just what it is. You know, you know, you know the smell. Yeah. So I wake up and my friend's girlfriend that we were with the night before, she's like a very homemaker type. Like she really loves to she's the one that like if you have a party, she'll bring a tray of cookies. Yeah. She loves that stuff. Or ghost muffins. Or ghost muffins. <laughs> so I smell blueberry muffins and, and my, my, my my thought is, well, they came over early, let themselves in, and she made his blueberry muffins. What a sweet woman. Yeah. And so I walk out in the kitchen ready to just be like, hey, guys, thank you. And I walk in the kitchen. No no muffins. What this, is, isn't, this is a house, not an apartment. Right? This is a house, yeah. Yeah, it's not like the people below you were making blueberry muffins. Which I really wish I could say was the case because it, it was very scary. And I walk in the kitchen. There is a glass beer bottle. So we didn't even get drunk the night before. I think we had one beer each. There is a glass beer bottle on the floor of the kitchen and it's spinning slowly. Everybody like, put your dicks back in your body. <laughs> Tuck them in, you know how to do from when you were little. Now take that bottle, put it up in your butthole, or the demon that lives in this house will. <laughs> oh my God. So the bottle's spinning. The bottle's spinning. No me goose. And on the oven, one of the ranges, oven ranges, is turned to high. And a corner of a frozen pizza box. We had had a frozen pizza the night before. The corner of the frozen pizza box is hanging over the range, and it's catching on fire. But what's crazy is me and one other person, only people in the house, we have cats, so the cats could have maybe knocked the beer bottle over, but a cat can't turn an oven range on. Yeah, to push in, then a turn. Also, if we had left the oven range on, everything would have burned already. Like it was new. It 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 had to have been new. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is maybe if I left the range on and then the cat bumped the pizza box over the edge. And then perfectly stepped on the thing, turning it to high. Yeah. I think a cat could get you to three. It could, yeah. Could it get me to high? I don't think so. Not unless it's doing like a Looney Tunes. <laughs> and I'm like giving it a good four, two or three rotations. Yeah, hanging on to it like one of those <laughs> hang in there, there posters. Yeah. So... So and then, then why the smell of the muffins? Why too? the smell of the muffins? It's definitely not burning cardboard. Yeah. 
So I'm freaked out. I go downstairs. Steven is still exactly how I left him. He's asleep in the exact same position. Now the fireplace is on. So I'm like, and you know, famously ghosts get cold. So I'm like, God, what is happening? And now it was one of those gas powered fireplaces where like, there's like a remote. So I'm wondering one way to explain that is Steven woke up, thought he was turning off the TV, turned on the fire. I don't know. So anyway, at this point, I'm sufficiently freaked out. And then the doorbell rings. It's Joe and Angela from the night before. I open the door. And the first thing Angela says to me, she goes, oh, who made blueberry muffins? And I was like, oh, good. Oh, no. So she smells them, too. What if the first thing she said was like, let's have a fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's not delivery. It's to demons. (laughs) Oh, no. Burn out your sins. Oh, my God. So then I had to go back and feed the cats the next day, and uh, it was a scary. I was in that house. And it was a house I grew up in, you know? Like, I always loved that house. But now I'm in there, and I'm like, (sighs) Yeah, I feel the same way, but it's not haunted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a joke against my parents. (laughs) Got them. Family, friends, and love. Gotta love it. Family, friends, and love. Yeah, that's a terrifying tale, and I'm glad he told it. And then I saw a light in Joshua Tree on mushrooms. A light? Yeah. And it looked like a... I thought it was a shooting star at first, and then it started like moving back and forth like a lantern. And I was like, that's odd. And then it dipped below the horizon line, so now behind it is mountain rather than black sky. Oh, so boy. I'm like, okay, so now it's in our plane. And as I'm looking at it, my two friends that were behind me, they had been looking at some like rock they saw that was real you know joshua tree's insane so yeah i got there they're like oh my god and then my buddy looked up and goes oh my god what's that light and i was like oh no you see it too i was kind of hoping it was just me and then he went and who's making blueberry muffins? who's making blue sugar water who's making flea blueberry bag. muffins <laughs> are you referencing flea bag uh jk yeah. uh, jk jk men and had a lot of men in black we have a lot of flea bag um so yeah, and then the light started to spin. There was like little tendrils coming out. And as the tendrils came out, my buddy goes, hey, what's that webbing? I was like, yeah, webbing. I'd call it webbing. And then it like spun for a minute. And then the tendrils came back in. And then it went up to the night sky and seemed to pin itself back to the sky and just looked like a star. And I was like, okay, these mushrooms are strong. <laughs> but we all saw it. That's the creepy part. Yeah. And I'll leave their names out of this one in case they don't want to be called insane. Well, Shane Torres appreciates it. Does <laughs> you just keep guessing? A silent well, man is understand the consent. <laughs> Kenny DeFore, yes, thanks sir. for being interviewed by all five of my personalities. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hey, listen, yogurt it. Oh my god, yogurt it crispy. Yogurt it crispy. This was awesome for me. I really needed these laughs. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks this was really, really that. fun. Keep it crispy, as oh, always. Oh, without the ask. And uh, oh well, I thought I was. I felt prompted. Do you want to say it as the Joker's agent? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever want to work in this town, I suggest you go crazy and keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Pete. That's a that's a condition. He's not really laughing. It's just a condition. Oh here. my God! And I have a card to explain it because I'm going nuts. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> So crispy, I'm so crispy, my 